This episode of Comics Monthly Monday is sponsored by Evil Squid Comics. Evil Squid Comics, found at www.evilsquidcomics.com, allows you to pre-order your comics at significant discounts, between 30 and 40%, and they don't charge you until the order actually ships. They also have a blog, updated daily, and a podcast with new episodes premiering weekly. So give them a try. That's Evil Squid Comics at www.evilsquidcomics.com. And be sure to tell Drew and the gang that you heard about them right here on Two True Freaks. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Captain America! It's the Dying Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. And now, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. Hello, and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday, number 47. I am Chris Honeywell, and we have assembled an elite fleet of geeks, or something to that effect. And I have uh, the usual cast and crew here. I've got Mr. Michael Bailey. Hey, everybody. And this is as they appear on my Skype window. Scott Gardner. (laughs) Scott H. Gardner. An elite fleet of my smelly feet. Jeez. I'm sure they stink, too. And Mr. Paul Spataro. Hello. I got nothing. And then the show show died. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. We'll be here all week. Good job, Paul. (laughs) All right, I'll see you guys next month. (laughs) Same Ah. time. Yeah, so what's new, gentlemen? Anything exciting? Well, it's... Well, 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 go ahead, Mike. Yeah, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Well, my voice finally changed. Would you like some fries with that? If I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. <laughs> I, well, I have one, but she's in Canada. You wouldn't know her. Or, or, or as my friends and I used to say when we would joke around when I was working third shift, Sir, sir, I battered and deep fried my nuts again, sir. <laughs> it's the most, like, useless... Um, employee ever um i actually have like three things that i wanted to to mention really quick the first is uh despite the fact that this is 2013 is the 75th anniversary of superman and you would think that with such you know a celebration going on that somebody would have released in superman calendar well guess what they didn't there was a dc calendar 
that was full of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez art, and it was really pretty, and Amazon had it for like $35. To which I said, screw that and everything that looks like that. So, instead of, you know, just suffering without a Superman calendar this year, which I felt I just had to have, I basically scanned a bunch of covers from my own personal collection and went and made a calendar of those. So it's a anniversary calendar made up of anniversary issues. So like January is Superman 200 and 250. February is Action Comics 400 and 450. And then it bounces back and forth between Superman and Action with their anniversary issues. So uh, I'm really excited about this. And it looks really nice because I scanned the covers at a really high resolution so that they would print out um, nicely because uh, I don't know if I don't know if anybody here is really familiar with printing, but if you just take like an image off the internet and try to print it out on your Ooh, printer, no. it looks like crap. Yeah, <laughs> because the to, imp- ha- if, to get <clears throat> technical, you want to get at least like 300 DPI, yeah, 300 DPI or above, or above, yeah. yeah. Um, and that that I learned from my work and working in the printing department. So. That was cool. I mean, it was really cheap. I mean, 13 bucks for, a, for a, a calendar really is pretty much what you would pay for a calendar. So, But uh, I just needed a Superman calendar this year. Got two things from Tomorrow's Publishing in the mail the other day, which, are, which I was very excited about. One of them is Alter Ego issue 112, which has articles on Mort Wessinger, uh, Paul Cassidy, who is a Golden Age Superman artist, and a Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster article in there as well. Beautiful cover taken from a Swanderson action issue of Superman sitting there typing. Uh, but more important than that to me was back issue number, I believe it is number 62, which is the Superman in the Bronze Age issue. And uh, I know Scott has a copy of this. I don't know if you got a chance to look through it yet. Yes. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to sit and read it. It looks oh, really, really good. Yeah. It's got this beautiful Jose Luis Garcia Lopez cover of Superman fighting Bizarro. Uh, all of the articles are just amazing. There's one on basically the Julia Schwartz dynasty as editor, one on Superman family, one on Kurt Swan, an Earth 2 Superman article, one on the world of Krypton. I'm really looking forward to that because I love that miniseries. Uh, and even an article on the Atomic Skull, who, I don't know about you guys, I love the Atomic Skull. Yeah. I think he is a fantastic villain. I have no and idea I who he no is, but what. just judging by his name, he sounds awesome. Uh, Very it's, cool it's, looking. Yeah, it's always a cheat, though, because usually it's a like a Garcia Lopez cover with Kurt Swan art on the inside, which isn't bad because I'm not bashing Kurt Swan, but when you see like the Lopez version... And then see swans. It's like yeah, side ah, by oh, side, oh. they don't compare very well. <laughs> so um, I am just, I'm just, I, I, I saw that this was coming out, and I rarely buy this magazine anymore because now it's nine dollars because it's uh, it's full color now. It's on slicker paper, so it's a nicer looking magazine. I just can't really afford nine dollars a month. Yeah, that's uh, the sad state of magazines. So if it's a magazine that has a lot of text in it and a lot of uh, actual quality writing and stuff like that, that that you're gonna actually sit down and read, 
it's almost got to be expensive for them to be able to afford to exist, you know, because they can't put as many ads in, and so it's you just can, hard you can anyway. Get it, uh, you can get the digital copy from them for like two fifty. Yeah, but unfortunately, I don't have a tablet yet, and reading magazines on my, yeah, you know, it, I, I I can read it on my monitor, but I prefer to sit, you know, like in bed or on the crap or can on the can yeah so once you get the tablet you realize how difficult it is to sit and read on the computer screen but you know you can yeah. get a tablet cheap nowadays you know I if, just, I can, if I can spend your money for you yeah I was about to say <laughs> I'd love to get one I just can't justify that expense right now uh, with everything else that we're trying to you know kind of pay yeah, off and, yeah, and stuff we're trying to do to get in line sort of thing I mean, I mean, we sell them at work, and I, you know, I get to like play with them every once in a while, and they're very nice. Uh, the Windows ones can go, you know, eat a dick, but um, because I'm just mad at Windows in general to the point where when I get a new computer, it's probably going to be a Mac, uh, just because I'm completely and utterly pissed off about Windows 8 and think that. Have it's you ever kind of thought of going Linux? Uh, no, because I want to find programs, right. and I know that you can find programs for yeah. Linux, but. Uh, no, you need someone. <laughs> you need to know someone hands-on. Yeah. So fix. the thing about the thing the... about Mac is, and and you know me, I've been a like staunch Mac user for the last decade. But in that decade, the the PCs I found now that I'm using a PC have become more like Macs. In a lot of they've they've sort of both melted yeah. together. And and the, I was just having a little conversation with my friend who's buying a Mac. And the thing is, is it's just for for the for the kick that you get, it's just going to be about twice as expensive for a Mac. You won't have to know, worry about just, a lot of things though when you have it. I'm just mad at Microsoft at this point. I don't blame um, you. So, but that's but that's neither here nor there. No, back issue sixty two. It's it's out. You can go to the website tomorrows.com. Uh, order a copy. It's pretty cheap. And when you buy the physical copy, you get a digital copy for free. Um, which I really like that, by the way, yeah. that, 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 that they do that because I didn't have to wait to, you know, like the three or four days to at least look through the magazine. So I, can, <laughs> so I, you know, kind of had an idea of what it was going to be. So, uh, that was really cool. Finally, I'm one of these weird people that when it comes to, especially Superman related stuff, I know this is shocking, uh, that I like to get different editions and variant covers and stuff like that. Mainly only with the Superman stuff just for my own personal collection. This is where, you know, there, there's always that debate that crops up from time to time of, are you a reader or are you a collector? I'm both, really. Uh, you know, I, I buy them to read, but some of them I buy just to have the copy of. And uh, there was the Platinum Superman number 75, and then there was a Platinum Adventures of Superman number 500. Recently, I found out that there was a Platinum Action Comics number 700, which, weird. But the one I got at the comic shop the other day, uh, really weird. Uh, does anybody here remember Worlds Collide? Vaguely. It was vaguely, oh, yeah. The milestone, yeah. The Milestone DC crossover. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so that basically crossed over into Superman, the Man of Steel, Superboy, Steel, Hardware, Icon, Blood Syndicate, and Static. Uh, but they had a special in the middle of the story that was Worlds Collide number one. 
And it, it came, what I thought, in two editions. The one was the Color Forms edition, where right. you could make your own cover, which is probably the greatest variant useless cover thing from the 90s, in my opinion. Screw hollow foil. I want Color Forms. Uh, and then there was just a standard cover that had basically the same images, but you know they decided how it was going to go together. Apparently, there was a platinum version of this, too. And it was just sitting in the variant covers box. Uh, so I picked that up for like three bucks just to have it. Um, nothing really special about it beyond that. It's just, uh, it's platinum-y in the logo and everything. But uh, it's just one of those weird things to to buy for the collection. I'm sure you guys kind of have the same things in yours. Uh, where you just pick something up because you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> when? Why the hell did they make that? Because I, I didn't realize a few action, of those. <laughs> I didn't realize Action Comics 700 was so important that it needed a platinum edition. But I own it, so there you go. Now I'm trying to remember: is that the Fall of Metropolis? Um, that was during universe? the Fall of Metropolis. Yes, that was. That was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because they have that beautiful. Um, DC did a two-sided promo poster, where one side. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, was uh, yeah. I actually am hanging mine right now. Uh, one side is side, or, excuse me, not dark side. Uh, uh, Doomsday rather side of that is awesome. Uh, yeah, that's that. That's actually the cover to the Doomsday Superman omnibus uh, that they put out oh, really? five or six years ago. Yeah, it's really nice. But on the other side is this very cool, um, like it. It's basically looks like a movie poster of the mm-hmm. cover of Action Seven Hundred. Uh, so I have that up actually because I'm <laughs> posters that are up right now in Mike's office are the Worlds Collide five foot long poster, the Reign of Tomorrow. Oh, poster. You have that, dude? They're on like eBay for three bucks. Yeah, I'm I not got kidding. Those. Yeah, that. See, I thought the event itself was. I was gonna say it sucks. It's not so much that it sucked. It was largely just uh, easily ignored and easily forgotten. But that promo poster was gorgeous. I, I really thought that promo poster was really, really something. Yeah, I'm not kidding, dude. I picked mine up for five bucks plus shipping. Wow. Yeah, I got to get me one of those because I think that's a great poster. I want to get that. There's there's a number of those like mega posters like that that I you know I don't know where the heck I'd ever put them, but I'd really like to get them because there's that one. There's the um, JLA Titans one. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was the no, that you, one I haven't uh, seen. It, it, do you remember that series JLA? I don't know mm-hmm. if it was JLA yeah. Titans or JLA versus Titans, but it was no, it was I, JLA Titans. That was basically bringing back the Teen Titans in '99. Yeah, is that who is that? That was um, what's uh, his Phil name? Jimenez? Jimenez. I was gonna say Perez's kid because I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, Phil Jimenez. And then there was a, uh, I think Jimenez did the other one I want to get to, which is the um, Wonder Woman poster. Mm-hmm. Or is it a Donna Troy poster? I forget. Or maybe they're both on it. I forget. But it's it's a, I know it's a great big long poster that's basically like the history of Wonder Woman told on a poster type of thing. But it's really, really nice. The other one I have up that, that's huge is the Reign of Tomorrow poster. Which is Superboy, Steel, and Supergirl. Uh, basically, the covers of the first issues of all of their titles from late '93, uh-huh. um, and it's just a, it's just gorgeous to look at. 
they really put those images together nicely. Because uh, one of them's Grummet drawing Superboy. Uh, you've got, I, I don't know who's drawing Steel. It's whoever drew the title. I think that might be Bogdanov. But then you have that. Bogdanov. But then you have that Carrie Gamil Supergirl from the first uh, issue of that of that miniseries, and it's just there. It's just impressive to think that they put so much time into these freaking promo posters that most comic shops pretty much just threw away when they were done. And now it's like, man, that there's one that Scott and I are both slobbering over, which was the John Byrne Supergirl promo poster for the Supergirl saga and the Superman titles. And that thing goes for like 60 bucks. Yeah, that's my holy grail of promo posters is that one. I really want that one. But I don't want to pay 60 bucks. (laughs) No, I won't ever pay, you know, a significant... Because, you know, all the ones I've got, for the most part, I never paid, you know... If I paid anything for them, it was, you know, a dollar or two. And this was like, you know, back when, you know, the, they were they had been hanging in the shop and then the next new hot thing came along. So they got taken down and they just wound up on a table somewhere of either, you know, take these for, you know, these, you know, free with yep, purchase a or, stack of or them, it was yep. a dollar or something. But uh, the, the place I got most of them from was uh, when I still lived in upstate. Yeah, it was when I was in the service. There was a place called um, Ravenswood in Utica, and they used to just give them to me because they knew what I liked and they knew the artists that I, you know, like Burn. So most of the Burn ones I've got, especially that one of Bur- of Burn Superman punching through the wall, the DC Comics on sale here. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was given to me, and that poster's worth a fortune these days. I snagged so, it for ten bucks. Yeah, I mean that's a steal on that. Ri- yeah, I was yeah. lucky. It was a. Uh, it was one of those. It was one of those auctions, and you guys have been through this as much as I have, where no one was paying attention to it. It was like twenty minutes till it ended. There were no bids, and you just put the low bid in and pray. Yep. And it just it just happened to work out for me. That's awesome because yeah, that, I've seen that poster go for a lot of money. I miss those days. That's actually one of the things I miss most about the old comic shops. Beyond you know the comics themselves is the great deals that you used to be able to, to get on promo stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. back then, I mean, I don't think anybody ever really gave any thought to value. You know, I've never really thought about it until fairly recently when I started to see these things popping up on eBay and going, Hey, I have that or had that, you know, and, and a lot of them yeah. were crazy prices. I'm like, wow, really? Well, you know, it, they were given to the comic shops as, you know, they, they were basically marketing and, right. You know, that that's all they were, you know, they were basically written off at that probably by DC and Marvel. Like, you know, we print these up and maybe people will buy the books. But it's just, it's almost like you want to write a book on the art form that was the promo poster. There's a website out there somewhere that's very similar to Mike's Amazing World that's all about promo posters. And I don't know if they claim to have all of them, but I know that they've got a ton of uh, of pictures of them. And it makes for a nice like little checklist of, of like a time period of promo posters. It's actually really nice. I, I can't remember for the life of me what the name of it is. I don't know if I ever bookmarked it. I should have. But there were some really neat ones. Some of them that I didn't realize were promo posters. I mean, I remember the promotional ads 
in the comics, you know, like there was one, I, I want to say it's a burn, uh, you know, it's burn art, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a Legion of Superheroes uh, promotional piece. It was something like, you know, the Legion wants you or something. It was kind of like a Legion take on that's the old Lytle. Sam. That was Is Lytle. it Lytle? Yeah, I think that and, was Lytle. Because that's, that's a cover. To, right. I thought that was one of the covers to the uh, to one of the Baxter series issues. Yeah, I think you're right. But I didn't realize it had actually been a, a promo poster and they had it on there. But there was a bunch of... There was one for... Uh, for that storyline that I know that you and I like the, you know, it's basically the death of Superboy story where they Burns did a promo made, poster for that. Yeah. According to that site, oh, they did. God. I've never seen it, but I sure would love to own it. If it really does exist. I need dude, considering that's what brought me into comics. Mm-hmm. That's like, Oh, I have to have that. I have to find it. And I have to see if I can not mortgage the house to, <laughs> to buy it. Just because, you know, sometimes you pay money for stuff that you want, and sometimes you're like, I'm just going to wait and see. Like, maybe I'll stumble across this later. But, um, the only in recent memory that I paid any you know significant money for was uh, was I finally tracked down that Howard Chaikin, uh The Shadow Returns poster. Mm-hmm. But even then, I didn't pay very much for it. I know I paid under 10 bucks for it, and that was well worth it. I'd wanted that all my collecting life. That's just a great one. Oh, definitely. Because, uh, you know, it's really funny The you know, we're sitting here saying, you know, no one really thought about wanting these things. But then I'm remembering in the letters column or the text piece to one of the early issues of the question, they actually addressed the fact that people were writing into the title wondering where they could buy their copy of the question poster and they're like, that's not a commercially available poster. That's just something we did for the comic shops. And I'm just like, okay, I guess people saw it. and uh, I, Maybe people were collecting these things all along. <laughs> right. So, but that's all I got. Uh, it's been kind of a light month just because, you know, you're getting over, you know, Christmas <laughs> and all that. So getting over Christmas, make it sound like it's a disease or something. I work retail. Well, yeah, that's true. For you, Don't it is get a me started. <laughs> it's more like a virus. But anyway. Yes. Paul, Paul Spataro comes through uh, with uh, correcting me. Thank you, Paul, because I don't like to be wrong. Uh, it was uh, Greg LaRock doing that We Want You poster. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Greg LaRock right. is a very underrated artist, I believe. Yes, he is. Black Jacques. You don't hear his name very much at all, but but he does do nice work. Well, I'm planning on on doing something for uh, for my Superman show, which I just just started back up this month. But, uh, I, I, you know, it, it occurred to me that I didn't remember to mention, I, at least I don't think I did in that episode what my what my plan for the year was. But basically, I, I'm, that's going to be a monthly show. So yeah, there'll you be, said you know, that. there'll be one. Oh, did I? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there'll be one a month, and I've pretty much got it all charted out what I want to do, and uh, unless I'm, unless I miss my guess, I'm pretty sure that the the storyline that I want to basically wrap up the year, um, I think Greg Larocque is one of the artists on that, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I haven't listened yet, but I saw you did the uh, leprosy. Uh, episode yes or the yeah. leprosy issue that is so awesome i gotta listen to that 
<laughs> or, or as I wanted to call it afterwards, Superman, get off the freaking planet already. For the love yes. of God. For the love get of God, the planet. kill everybody. <laughs> yes. You were hilarious, dude. You knocked it out of the park. I'm so glad that show is back. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's funny because I've gotten a nice little flood of, of people going, yes, and oh, I'm so glad this is back, and what a great job. And it's weird because one of the reasons I stopped doing the show initially is I didn't think anybody was listening. So it's 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 nice. It's gratifying. Who's well, next? Again. Well, I, <laughs> I was uh, we we had some some family friends over yesterday, and there's uh, an 11 year old uh, young man who's in that family, and uh, he came over and he started talking to me about comics, which made me feel good to see you know 11 year old kids getting interested in them, and. Uh, just in talking to him, uh, it turns out his favorite character is, a, is Galactus, of all things, uh, which is just strange. But then, you know, just asking him about, you know, what he's been doing or whatever. Yeah, watch and that he, one. He asked, <laughs> well, what he's been doing as far as comics go. And, uh, and he, he asked his mom to, you know, unlock the car and he ran outside and he came back in. And uh, he, went, he was at Midtown Comics this week. He got his dad to bring him over there. And he bought a copy of Fantastic Four Annual Number 3. The wedding of Reed and Sue for Ooh. nine bucks, and it's it's a little beat up. Wow. I mean, he he, He's he, had, a, a he had it in the bag, and yeah, I was I was very very impressed to see an eleven year old kid, you know, going for that, and and uh, I, I it just you know there's all you know talk over and over again about the whole, you know, kids aren't getting into this, so I was just very very happy to see that. That's excellent. Yeah, I. I, I wish I could get my my own boys to be more interested in comics. I mean, they're interested in the characters and the and the storylines and things like that. But as far as reading the actual books themselves, I, I can't seem to get them. Logan always has a pile of comics when I because when whenever I go to visit Scott, Logan gets kicked out of his room, so I inhabit his room, and there's always a big pile of comics. And then they have to bring in the hazmat team after <laughs> they just burn the they just burn the mattress and and all the blankets and stuff. And <laughs> Neighbor stuff. comes by. Oh, Honeywell visit again. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> They've just taken my, just I mean, a bunch phone... of straw and stuff on there. And throw I wonder if that's why that cop car has been hanging around in our front yard. <laughs> Probably. It just occurred to me. <laughs> my son's got a box of comics in his room, and he reads them occasionally, but he just doesn't have that manic obsessiveness that you uh, associate with comic collectors yeah. right right so, but but he he definitely he, he fits the bill pretty much of what you're talking about that you know he's interested in the characters he you know he, he wants to see all the movies when they come out he's occasionally reading the books but he's not following anything on a regular basis you know at, at least at least he wants to see the movies and such i mean you, you this is an That's illness how it's I mean, let, let's <laughs> let, let, let's let's be honest about this guys this is an illness that we have this is not normal people don't it's, it's obsessed like this it's time that kids kids, <laughs> kids these days have just a wider selection of things to obsess over than we did you know there was there was certain you know and and like when we were kids just because of the limitations of media and especially if you didn't live in like a very like Scott and I in a very non cultural setting, it was like, yeah, you read comic books or book you you read or you did sports physical stuff or something like that. That you know, video games were just start video games were there too, so we could obsess over video games. But you know, there there was no internet. The internet just 
throws all things out the window as far as that goes. That just opens up a whole other world outside of comics. So it's different. If they'd have had the internet when we were kids, I'd have been blind by the time I was 15 years old. I just got to say. Don't you need glasses now? I mean, at least you stopped. At least you stopped (laughs) before it got too bad. So. Yeah, but I mean, practically, if if that's if that's what causes nearsightedness, Scott should have been like the mole man, you know, back in. High school. <laughs> <laughs> should have had it. We should have been in high school with a staff and little squinty glasses and a cape. Oh man! Yeah. Have you have you guys been following this controversy over Spider Man uh, lately? Uh, no, I'm I, not saying a damn thing. I haven't followed Spider Man since the '80s. Since so, Lord, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm think not, I know what you're talking about. Unless my memory's just that bad that I forgot it already. <laughs> I, no, probably no, no. not. I mean, it's very recent. Uh, somebody, it's still ongoing. Somebody took uh, me to task. Over talking about stuff and doing spoilers, so I don't. I don't even know if I want to talk about. I know it. that it's like. You know, <laughs> well, it's... I'll definitely give a, a spoiler alert, but I won't go into any great detail on it anyway. But if anybody is uh, planning on catching up on it, you know, maybe jump ahead five minutes. But uh, uh, you know, basically, it's a whole storyline where Doc Ock takes over Spider-Man's body, and it goes into the whole new series. Oh, yeah. But Dan has uh, I... been. He's been receiving death threats over this. So ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not... Well, I heard it had a sort of face-off moment where Doc Ock was... could have gotten friendly with someone and it would have been, you know, it was that there was some whole, like, it could have been rape or there was rape and... It sounded like somebody was really, like, trying to rev something that wasn't quite what it sounded like. I heard an interview with Slot, and he he was basically saying that he was getting criticism for exactly what you just said, and and his his answer to that is that never happens. Could you please read the book before you criticize me for what right. I wrote in it? See, and and I kind of got to agree with you that. See, I I, I get the feeling that they court controversy too, because there was some controversy before that with Dan Slot saying you know where people are like cartoonist dan slot gets death threats over the internet and it's like why is that news and it was probably because they were trying to you know rev up some interest in this by having having a nice having a nice you know in a facebook dust up you know with people arguing over stuff it's good publicity you know any publicity is good or bad is good publicity so I think I think they feed it too. I think the publicity I think the outrage yes. is is ridiculous, but I think they I think they love it because absolutely they, feed, they do feed the fire oh. because it equals dollars. I would frankly I don't see anything wrong with that really, you know. It's it's kind of annoying, but luckily I don't really care and pay attention so I didn't really had to have to get involved in it, you know. Okay. But ultimately okay. the stupidity comes down to the fact that how you know? How long do you have to collect comics before you realize they always go back to the status quo? You know, it's like well, you're going to really get that upset that you're going to start making death threats over it. Come on. Okay, people get upset get over trouble. any anything enough to make death threats over the internet. That's why it's not news when somebody 
All that means is if you're the writer for Spider-Man and you go on Facebook, somebody's going to ask you to kill yourself daily or demand that you it, kill yourself or say they're going to put your family in a meat grinder or some, something. It shouldn't be It shouldn't be like that, though. And it, we shouldn't – I mean, I, I don't think any of the four of us are encouraging that by any means, but it shouldn't even be allowed. I mean, you, we. I think we – It isn't. And here I sound like I want, I'm volunteering us to be the internet cops or something. That's not really what I mean. But at the same rate, I think if you see that sort of thing, I almost feel obligated to. Yeah, to that's you want to. Well, just, Facebook Facebook has rules against threatening pe- threatening people, threatening right. their lives, and basically doing anything illegal, slander wise. So, you know, I mean, yeah, if you do stuff like that, you 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 will get kicked off of of Facebook if somebody complains about you and, and it's stuff not just like a that. matter There's... of getting kicked off. I mean, w- w- didn't slot say something about he was taking it seriously and he like got in touch with the FBI and stuff about it. I would too. I mean, it, it's, well, you know, the thing about that is considered a, a threat. on the internet. Yeah. But on the internet, man, you, you would almost be constant. You, anybody on the internet who has any kind of, if, if Dan slot has enough internet fame, to get like troll threats thrown at him, everybody does every every day. You know that's what tr- that's what trolly people. You know it's ten year old kids going. You know I'm gonna club your family when they're you know doing this. And it's and it's partly to just get attention and partly just. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, we could do a whole show just on yeah. on this topic, but I, in my opinion, it comes down to you know the last thing I want to see is, is more regulation and and that sort of thing, and more policing of the internet. But at the same rate, this is the kind of thing where I kind of would like to see a call for that sort of thing, just because you sit behind the the you know the, your computer screen and feel like you have this sense of anonymity does should not give you free reign to make death threats to, about somebody i well, think that I, no go ahead mike cuz I, I you keep getting run over buddy i'm sorry okay i think the larger issue here is, is there's this certain breed of comic book fan that has gotten a lot of traction over the past 5 years that basically they sit back and wait for stuff like this to happen so that they can get outraged and complain and, you know, be, be the morally superior person. And I just don't understand it. If, if you have such a problem, let Dr. Chris explain it. No, no, no. Seriously. If you have such a problem with it, with a writer, you need to walk away. You need to just leave. And, 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 there's and so you, you many sit, other writers out there. <laughs> that you can, you, you can, and you can yeah, sit there. That's all it takes. And you could sit there and say, well, Mike, you're, didn't you go back to the Superman titles? It was a conscious choice, and you have not heard me over, you know, outside of critical analysis on reviews that I write for the Superman homepage. You really haven't seen me complain online about anything except in broader terms where I wish it was more like this. When I came back, I knew what I was getting into, and I knew there was going to be things I didn't like, so I don't focus on those. But really, if if Dan Slott bothers you that much, stop reading the book. Because here's the thing. One, you're not really providing anything to the conversation. All you're doing is waiting there to yell rape. Uh, and, 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 and it's just, okay, is it, you know, spoiler warning about what happened. Basically, Doc Ock took over Spider-Man and Peter Parker's body. And when he sees Mary Jane for the first time, she jumps him. So what people are calling is that is that's rape because she doesn't know that it's not 
Peter Parker. She thinks it's Peter Parker, so he's taking advantage of her Revenge of the Nerds style. He is taking advantage of her Revenge of the Nerds style, but that's called drama in a story, and and that's an uncomfortable situation in the story. It's like the movie, the movie Face Off had that same... Exactly. situation and, 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 a, and yes it, a, if in reality if that happened it would be a gross she could take him to court and he could go to jail for that but this is a comic book and maybe he will the, at some point but the thing is 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 it was such a minor part mm-hmm. of the overall issue i mean the the thing people should be talking about is that holy crap there's this huge sea change in spider-man what does that mean is it something that i'm into no because i bailed on spider-man a year and a half ago because i wasn't enjoying what dan slot was producing i i just didn't like it but that's not to say that a he's a bad writer because i really don't think that i've enjoyed a lot of stuff of his that i have read and b Again, if this man bothers you on a personal level, you need to just walk away from the situation. Because here's the thing. What it's doing is it's bringing the editors and the writers into the argument. And then you have fans and creators and editors arguing with each other on the internet. And that's not accomplishing anything. It does no good for anybody or anything, anywhere, anytime. Because one, it puts the professionals on the defensive... So no matter what, they're not going to look good because if they say, you know, if they argue, then, you know, the, the, these these impish fanboys are going to just hit them even harder. It, it's basically a bunch of I don't want to boil it down to a to a simple this is what it is. But in all honesty, what what I look at this as is a bunch of freaking whiny brats sitting there doing this to get attention. This is how they express if, themselves. If you want to control the direction of Spider-Man or any any kind of fandom and and you want you you have two ways of doing it as a fan. Well, one way of doing it as a fan and that's by not consuming it and hopefully that'll send a message or be not going taking that extra step if you really care enough. And going from a fan and get yourself a job as an intern at Marvel or DC and work your way up to story editor until you can worm your way into Spider-Man and keep at it for years and years and well, years and, and go through all the political crap and then write your start, get your Spider-Man stories written. I, I can say this with all honesty. That's what Dan Slott did. In fact, he kind of lied to get his position at, at Marvel initially. Because he was doing it as a college intern, but he wasn't in college anymore. Yeah, that you know what I, I, I give him a full pardon on that. I would do that. So and that, basically, his one of his first jobs at at Marvel was to be the guy that manned the desk of returned art. So artists would come in to pick up their you know the artwork, and he would just see them. So he knew everybody, <laughs> and he was a hatchet man too. <laughs> so, so it's just you know I. Have I liked everything he's ever produced for Spider-Man? No. Do I like the direction they are taking Spider-Man in? No. But you know what? That's why I'm not reading it, because there is somebody out there that likes this. And the last thing I want to do, and this is something that I... Take away from him. Yeah, I, you know, because I, I, I would have, I, back in 98, when I found out that there were people that hated the John Byrne revamp, I was just like, what are you talking about? That's the most awesome thing ever. And, and just... I am so glad 
that when I started reading comics, that there wasn't an internet to tell me I was wrong. <laughs> well, I could I could tell you though. I'm I'm on the other side of that because I've been reading it, and I'm not going to tell you it's a great storyline because I don't think it is. But I, I've enjoyed it. I thought it's I think it's a good storyline, and I know they're going to eventually go back to the status quo. It's a temporary thing. It reminds me a lot of the uh, controversy with the whole. Uh, Gwen Stacy thing in uh, Sins Past with uh, yeah. JMS. And and I was more on the side of the outraged by it because I thought that storyline just was awful and I thought that it was terribly done and I thought it took a character and it went against the whole grain of, of what that character was supposed to be. But, I mean, I didn't get upset about it to contact anybody or anything like that. I, you know, I knew that, that later that story was just going to go by the wayside and either it, it's good drama or it's not. And and I mean, that's the way comics are. Bottom line is an event in the co- in a comic really isn't the problem. The problem is the reaction to it. And 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 I say and I and I kind of re- I'm repeating myself. I know, but you know it's well, it's a me... point that needs to be made again and again. If you don't like it and you're complaining about it and nothing's getting done, you're kind of adding to the whole problem. Let me ask you something. I completely agree with what you're saying, but I think Chris touched on something earlier that I think he finally allowed me to kind of solidify a half-formed idea that I've had for a while, and it finally just kind of gelled. I wonder if we're living in an age where we're, you know, we we always used to comment and and a lot of times complain that it, we now live in event driven comics you know the era of event driven storylines and and that sort of thing and that's what's driving the sales i wonder if that's not so much the case is that it's not so much event driven it's contra uh, controversy driven and if that's true it seems to me like you know that that's something that's not going to play out well in the long run you know what I mean? But you know, I yeah. mean, uh, the thing is, things crash, and that that could lead to a reaction in the opposite direction. You know, you never. That's the thing about complaining about the direction of where things go is you never know. Somebody could come. Somebody's. You know, right now the comics industry is sort of waiting, is ready for somebody to come out who baffles everybody and does something differently, and then they'll all copy it, and it's widely successful and stuff but the direction you you never know where it's it's going to go and and complaining and critiquing and and griping about stuff that's all part of it too you know there's always been a letters page and and all that it's just gotten ridiculous with the internet because it's the wild west you know it's full of stupid gunslingers just concerned rabbits rabbit flabbing black and rabbit and (laughs) but that's not really what i'm talking about though is that Ultimately, I think that I'm going to pick on Marvel for a minute because we were talking about Spider-Man. I I think Marvel could care less if literally millions and millions of fans went on the Internet every single day and raised holy hell about whatever the latest storyline is in in any one of their given books. and And they called them all you know, SOBs and they threaten their lives and their wives and their family. You know, they don't care about any of that. 
if the books are selling. It's, it is mm-hmm. a business. And I think it, I think it, it, it is. It's a business. And I think that you hit the nail on the head by saying that they're encouraging this kind Ooh. of behavior because I think that we're actually in a time where that is what is... How you get is, attention. I won't say saving these people, but exactly. It's how they're generating interest in the books and it's how they're keeping the fans coming back because something occurred a while back that I'm surprised I hardly ever hear anybody talk about is when they did the whole one more day brand new day thing. I hardly know anybody that liked that or, or was accepting of it completely. You know, most people, if they continued on or if they came back, you know, they may have taken a hiatus, but they eventually came back kind of thing. They don't like it. They think it's awful, but they weathered it, you know, and I think that the comic companies, and I'm talking Marvel and DC as the big two, I think they're banking on that. I think mm-hmm. they're banking on the fact that you might get outraged, you might storm off in a huff, you might post all over the internet for the next six months these angry tirades and you know send death threats to Writer X and everything else, but eventually... Eh, you're gonna come back. You always come back. You're a collector. You you can't break the habit, and that's why I, I wanted to dovetail with what Mike was saying. That man, I encourage you. I know it's tough. Mike and I have both gone through this thing where it's it, it's like sawing off your own arm sometimes mm-hmm. to walk away from something that you love that you've been collecting all your life that you have an unbroken run of twenty years worth of some title. It's hard to walk away. But if you're really that pissed off about something and you're really that adamant that you just don't like what they're doing with Superman or Spider-Man or whatever, man, then you need to just walk away because all the the crazy tirades in the world on the Internet. You're like the Ayatollah of rock and roller. Just walk away. I'm sorry, Paul. I said the other alternative is if you don't want to stop, if you feel like I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm going to weather this storm. If you're going to critique it, critique it in an intelligent, yeah, thoughtful exactly. manner. Right. Exactly. You know, and don't don't and, don't start going with some crazy death threat or something stupid like that. Do right. do write write a Superman review for the Superman homepage where, where you say this is what's wrong with the book. You know, or, or the, if there's such a thing as the Spider-Man homepage. A lot, a lot of you the know, horrible you, things that you, you know read, that, though, you have to remember that those are written by, like, 10-year-old kids who are going, like, this right. stupid yeah, that's, that, that's the other aspect of this that could be really funny, is that the person who gave the death threat could be a 10-year-old Exactly, it's a little pimply-faced, pre-pimply-faced 10-year-old you know, kid just going, funny, oh, watch this. But it's just funny that you know the 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 brand more you know the one more day brand new day thing happened and everybody hated it and everybody was going on these crazy tirades, yet the numbers went up. You know well, that could be just because the people who wrote letters had, were. If it hadn't it. happened, if that storyline came out and sales just tanked to reflect the anger that people felt about that. They'd have reversed it the very next month or, you know, in a, a sh- very short time. But the, the fact of the matter is, if you rant and you rail and everything else, but you continue to soak money into it, you're encouraging you're the fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're on the very fire that, that you're trying to put out. It makes and, no sense. And more importantly, it's like if you're sitting there going fire with gasoline. No, but, 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 
Well, yeah, because what you're doing is if, if I sit here and go, they did this and they did that and it's horrible and it's terrible. Five people out there going, man, I want to see what he's talking about. And they go out and they right. buy the book. Right. <laughs> and it's just like you have. <laughs> congratulations. Once again, you are part of the problem, not part of the solution. So well, they're, they're, they're just they're part of their own problem. <laughs> you know, they're, they're part of what's bothering them. You know, they're feeding what's what's annoying them and sometimes it makes me think if subconsciously some people just want the drama they don't want things to be all right you know because then they can't get all wound up and 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 they enjoy having a big dust up over it and being scandalized and and all that that's what i start thinking after a while it's just like well you know (laughs) it's 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 very easy to remove (laughs) the source of your agitation it's it's so simple and it will actually save you three dollars a month so well the, the other aspect of it that I, I come back to a little bit is you got to keep in mind that uh that that what's called the dan slot is dealing with uh you know 50 years of, of history with spider-man 2 and that he's got to uh you know he's got to come up with something original and the idea of doc ock in spider-man's body trying to fight his natural urges and act in a heroic way you know that's something new you know there's a whole bunch of stuff that he can write there that that didn't previously exist so you know that gives him something too it can't it, it, you know i mean i don't think it's ever been easy to be a comic book writer i don't i don't think i've ever heard one creator interview where they say, oh, it was a complete breeze from beginning to end. Yeah. <laughs> but these days, especially, especially now, when so much is riding on these big characters that I'm sure that these writers are feeling pressure from the suits to do whatever they've got to do to sell the book. It's got to be tough. It's really, really got to be tough. And especially now when we live in the internet age. I was just reading something the other day, and I, I wish to God I could remember what creator it was that was talking about it. But basically, it was a really well-written, um, in, you know, just, it was a nice, like, human interest, peek behind the curtain, look at this writer, basically admitting freely that, you know, I, I'm not invulnerable i see what people are writing on the internet and it hurts god i can't i can't remember who it was but i I, i've always wondered about that you know do these guys i mean what do they do that they just you know they write this stuff and they just have to turn a blind eye or do they actually go onto the boards to see what people are saying and in this particular case it was a matter of well, you know, I try to look at it because I want to know you, you, uh, the reaction I'm getting. But well then not. every time I go there, it's 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 this legion of idiots, you know, want, calling for my head. Yeah. You know, so it, that's got to no, be. If, uh, just, if you want, I can't imagine. If you want good feedback, go to your email. The, the people who want say, hey, you know, I really like what you do. They'll they'll email you. When you go to a forum, then you're getting people who are just popping up there. And who knows? They might not even care. They just might want to d- stir things up, or they might not like somebody who's on there talking about it, and they just want to screw yeah. with them instead of sc- with the subject, so they'll take up an opposite stance or stuff. So you know, it's one of those things. You know, you you, you, you can tell people to leather up, but let you know, it's easier said than done. I I'm always, I've always been super thick-skinned. I was just born, I think, like half elephant boy, so. 
<laughs> so I'm not an animal, but you know, I mean, so I've never, I've never had a problem with, you know, with that, with, with that stuff. But if I did, I would just probably spend about one tenth of the amount of time on the internet that I do now. <laughs> I, I think that most of them do check the boards and everything and see what's, see what the critique is, even the ones that deny doing it. I just yeah, think it's I naturally. I, I think the human brain. I, the 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 shame of the matter is, or the pity of the matter is, is the human brain does not process praise equally. With you can get ten thousand people saying your stuff is great, and then the one person who tells you it sucks, that's the one that gets you. That's that's what you're left with at the end. You know that can negate all the other people going. You know I really like that or whatever. And, yeah, it takes a right. hundred attaboys to get rid of one you suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, it does. And and it it's, really it's, does. It's it's really hard to get your brain out of that that way of of thinking, you know. Brain and and <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's like a soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to develop the Scott Gardner soundbar. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I think it, I think it I think it would help in the editing at least. <laughs> I, then, I think if you, if you get the Scott Gardner soundboard, we don't even have to have Scott on the. On I the, know. Uh, I was just gonna say I won't even have to show up for this shit anymore. Scott, a big sleep and. They used yep. to do that on Loveline all the time when uh, Adam wasn't on the show. They had like the 15 things he always says and they would just plug that in. Well, they also had do- like when Dr. Drew wasn't on, they would have Dr. Drew saying like things like you're gay and you know and they and, but it was like <laughs> taped right from the studio so it sounded like he was right there on the mic and they would have some guy talking and all of a sudden Dr. Drew who was always a straight guy would be like you're gay, you know. So whenever he wasn't there, he was always horribly insulting and and rude to everybody. How dare you, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I think perfectly normal. Something like perfectly that. Healthy. I think Howard Stern does something where they call up people and they just have these sound clips that they play, and they yeah. end up getting yeah, people Takai, to fight yeah. with so- with sound clips. The, I mean, the, the 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 like legendary ones of those are the Schwarzenegger ones. You know, you need discipline. Who's your daddy? Where does he? What is it? Where does he come from? Or so, whatever. But it, it, they would get people engaged oh, for like, stop whining. Yes, yeah, stop whining. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to listen to those, and you'd get somebody who would get somebody on there for ten minutes, and keep them fighting with with uh, <laughs> with you know a fake Arnold Schwarzenegger, and oh, it was it would. It, yeah, I would just be in pain. Anyway, who who are we on? What else? Uh, <laughs> that was me. That was Paul. I thought that was Who's, a nice that was little digger, uh, man. I like that one. Yeah. yeah, that was an epic little bit there. What do you do? You have any preamble stuff before we get into uh, speaking of feedback? I just have two short things that sort of are intertwined. The first <laughs> of which is <laughs> sort said. of coming, and it sort of comes good off the whole internet talk is. But it's also it's a story of the internet being a good thing, and working out to someone's advantages. And Scott, you, you well, you know about what I'm probably talking about is uh, I went on to Facebook the other day, yesterday, I believe it was. Was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. No, it's Thursday, and I see that uh, I see you know comic shop, 
being forced out of its location after 29 years or something from bleedingcool.com. Oh, yeah. And it's a link that Andy, Andy from Hey Kids Comics put up. And I'm looking at the little teeny tiny thumbnail picture on the Facebook, and I'm like, Jesus, that looks just like comics, etc. at the village. I was, I've been meaning to and ask said, you about that. And it that. said comics, etc. on it. And I'm like, but I know there's a cat like uh, one of our listeners, uh, Brad Glynn or Glyn, or I don't know how his last name, but it's G L Y N N, lives in Australia. And he's got, and I believe it was him, he has a comics, etc there so you know i figured there's probably a lot of comics etc so my brain wasn't really processing it and then i'm like reading on i'm like that is my lcs and i'm like i'm finding out about this through someone in the uk this is uh, insane and that day i was planning on going there to buy walking dead 106 and the new dark horse star wars number one so i go there and uh i've no i've been going there for 20 years plus he's been there 29 years scott that used to be scott's lcs and scott and him got along really he was a prickly pear to put it nicely kind of person he wouldn't even talk to me for years now he now he loves me after a while he saw i spent a lot of money in there too and uh but you and he hit it off right away and um um, so the shop is exactly the same as you probably remember it, Scott. And, uh, so I go in there and I'm like, so Andy, what's going on? And he's just like, you wouldn't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Hey, well, I found out from a friend in the UK and he was just like, Oh my God, I've had 75 real estate agents call me and he don't, he's already found a place that's, you know, sounds cheaper, nicer, oh, right down the street. So he just has to move it like a block. So he he ended up, you know, and twenty and the landlord there is notorious for being a real pain, and he's been there for twenty nine years. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. This is like a new beginning for you. You know, you're gonna, you know, all of a sudden you're gonna have a weight lift lifted off you. You know, so and he was just like, I couldn't believe it. It just started out. He just put a post up on his Facebook page, you know, on the comics etc. Facebook page, and it ended up on Bleeding Cool, and it just went everywhere and i guess reddit spread it around and uh yeah and that was and that was that so thumbs up for the internet but the two comics that i went there to buy star wars number one and walking dead 106 were sold out (laughs) so i didn't even buy anything while i was there then i went to another comic store they were sold out again so then since i went all the other comic stores are like outlying and now there's zero liability that I'm going to get there in time to get those two comics. I, I just went home and ordered them off eBay. Oh, I was about to say, just always check with me because especially with number ones, my LCS tends to order those in bulk uh, just because they can I, sit I on the shelf for years. The Star yeah, Wars. I want one of the Star well, Wars number ones. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Here's the thing, I, and this is Thursday. I went home and I found it on ebay i found both of them on ebay like the i i think it, i paid like five dollars for for each of them you know with with postage and stuff and i see a thing today that jose rivera put i think it was jose rivera i'm pretty sure put up it's going for 40 or 50 dollars on ebay right now star wars number one that is the the 
Dark right. Horse one, and everybody's like, I can't believe it. And, you know, I don't want to say people aren't thinking, trying to be nice about this, but there is a function on eBay called sort by cheapest postage and <laughs> and price. And I, I think a lot of people don't know that, but I don't think you have to pay $40 for it just because they unship no. it. So if you're thinking of doing that, I wouldn't do that if I were, I wouldn't do that if I were you. But always, always do your research on eBay because, and, and misspell the name, put in stars war. Yeah. Right. Somebody's going to screw up and you can get it for cheap. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, I know that I got Andy's cover price, you know, or, or less on cover price and a slightly higher delivery fee. But, you know, it was like five or six bucks, you know, from dozens of places and they right. had 50 copies of it, you know, so I'm not going to give away all my best secrets all in on one show, but I'll just tell you that uh, I can't tell you what it is because I know Andy listens to the show, but uh, eventually I got to get off my ass and get his Christmas present sent to him. But I finally got him something I've been trying to find for him for quite a while because I know he wants it for his own collection and he doesn't have one. Um, but unfortunately, I had no idea uh, how much that damn thing goes for. And I finally found one for a reasonable price. And it was just a simple matter of playing around with spelling and stuff. If you're patient enough, I'm I'm firmly of the opinion now that you can own any comic or anything that anything you, want. you want. Yeah, because at one time or another, I have owned all three of the, the most expensive modern comics that are out there, which is... Uh, the giant size X-Men number, whatever issue that it was, it number, number one, one, I think. I had that at one yes. point. X-Men number 94 and Hulk, uh, Incredible Hulk 181. I've one owned too. all of them at one time or another. Every three. one of them, I've paid under a dollar for them if you factor in how many comics was in the lot that I bought, you know? So, like, for example, I bought a lot of comics that was, I think there was like 80, bu- uh, 80 books in there, and I paid a little over 100 bucks for it. So, you know, it worked out to whatever that works out to. And uh, Hulk 181 was one of the books in there. So, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, if you if you play around long the enough. The thing about collecting is I you can, I always say try to steer your mindset about a, away from I need that now. You can always right. have I need that. Gotta be patient. Yeah. But you know, you know, someday it'll it'll be all the better the day it comes to you and you find it at that flea market for, for five bucks, you know, and you go home and you go, holy crap, I did not have to spend five hundred dollars for this. In all honesty, I haven't paid more than two dollars for those anthology issues of World's Finest. Right. Just because I've waited for comic <laughs> shows to to come along. And just wait for him to be in like, you know, there, there was this one at the last comic show I went to, there was a guy selling them for a buck a piece. Wow. And I'm just like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this was meant to happen. That's, that's, so, I think to me, that's part of the fun of it. The unpredictability of when you're going to find it, where you're going to find it, if you're going to find it, you know, under what circumstances it's not like, it's not that acquiring it and having it, you know? It's not like there's going to be some point where you're going to be like, 
oh, I've got everything I need. My collection is complete now to go about the rest of my right. life. And, and, yeah. and there's your collection there and it's done. And it's like, you know, the Honeywell collection, it's com- everything is complete. It's all here. It's all here. You know, no, yeah, some- I'm always afraid that if I ever say that it's going to be followed by the <laughs> of the machine telling me my heart stopped. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like so. You, you have your collection is this organic thing where some parts of it are going, some parts of it are coming, some parts you lose interest in. Something that you were really into ten years ago, you could give a shit about now. So off it goes, and and maybe you'll that happens to me. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll finally, you know, I'll be digging through some box at a at a show it's or a at a flea market or something, and and I'll find something that's on my list and pull it out and and buy it for like a quarter and be like, why the hell was this on my want list anyway? I, I I've it's been so long that it was on there that I forgot the reason that I put it on the list in the first place. You know, sometimes it can take you forever to get you know to fill in that blank, but. You'll never fill you know, it all. You never. It's all about the. It's all about the game, man. You never it's win. You never win. You, you never win. You win a little and you lose a little. You got to know. You know, if we had to, to, to kill them. our food, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would be different. Yeah. Then we would be co- collecting buffalo teeth and stuff like that. That's that's what us nerds would know. be doing. We'd be like, look at that buffalo tooth. <laughs> I mean, okay, let's just talk about the logistical nightmare of collecting wall paintings back you know, on Caveman Times. But, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, this I think is what you did, and you just got people I, to paint on them. <laughs> I, I think beyond that, you know, back when our biggest concern was, is this thing going to kill me before I kill it? You know, who gives a shit about, you know, X-Men number one? <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, I mean... You know, in uh, in the in that situation, you. Collect I hope they find a woolly mi- a mammoth in mylar one of these days, though. <laughs> That's right. It's certified nine point five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That tusk is kind of chipped. I think that takes it down to an eight. Yeah, but you know, the guy who sent it into the company it was from a big Macedon <laughs> company, so they get preferential treatment. Instead of CGC, it's WMCGC. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they fabricate, yeah, thirty foot plastic encasements for your mastodon. <laughs> well, that went well, in an odd direction. Yes, it did. This whole damn show has gone in an odd direction. It's only getting started. Do we want to cover some emails? Email. Sure. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got one here from our good buddy Tom Panarese. And he writes about Comics Monthly Monday number 46, which I think was last episode, right? It was. I think so. Yes. Uh, he writes about the Freaky Five. He says, hi, freaks. Hey. He goes, another great episode. Even if you're reading my email and then going into a discussion of it. Hi. And he says, quotation marks. Might have uh, Chris Hansen in your kitchen at some point in the future. <laughs> no idea what I he's, don't. Get he's the guy that's the catch a predator yeah, dude like to take on Dayline. Uh, Remember that okay. guy, Scott? He's the guy who said, "Would you like to take a seat, Mr. Gardner?" Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, now <laughs> I do. I don't know who you're talking about. He says, "I especially love the Freaky Five this month. I like many comics fans." I've spent more time than I can count wondering what movies about particular characters uh, would be like or actually coming uh, coming up with ideas for films for heroes who don't have movies. 
At one point, I actually thought of how to do the Wolfman Perez New Teen Titans as a trilogy, right down to who would be the villains in each and who would play what character. Needless to say, I should be concentrating on work <laughs> more than <laughs> hypothetical comic book movies. Nah, why bother? Yeah. It's more Join fun to the do the hypothetical yeah. comic book movies. So, so Paul's idea of having a secondary level of superhero movies, ones that uh, aren't big, uh, big budget per se, and could be more character-driven, intrigued me. And the moment he started talking about an Iron Fist trilogy, I thought that uh, this would be an excellent way for DC slash Warner Brothers to tap the female audience insert your own jokes oh. uh, they've basically been ignoring for quite a while uh, I know that various Wonder Woman projects have been stuck in development hell since the 1990s and I'm sure that they'd love to get that movie made especially if Man of Steel makes the money I hope it makes but to be honest I think that Wonder Woman is a really easy movie to screw up uh, cast it wrong, make too light or too dark, and you blow your chance of it ever having a solid female-led, excuse me, of ever having a uh, solid female-led comic book movie franchise. Plus, if the budget for Wonder Woman winds up in a situation like Superman Returns, where Warner Brothers has to make uh, the money back uh, they have spent developing failed films and television plots, that is another obstacle. I, I think he makes some great points. And I just want to stop there to, to mention something that was pointed out to me not long after we aired that episode, that uh, this idea of, of a lower tier of Marvel, and I, I think I actually threw out the term Marvel Knights, um, mm -hmm. I either forgot or was completely unaware. There actually is a movie, uh, I, I guess you would call it imprint or, or movie line called Marvel Knights. That last Punisher movie was one of them. And I think Daredevil and something else. Well, Daredevil oh, Ghost was another studio. Oh, okay. You're right. You're right. I think maybe it was Ghost Rider or one of the Ghost Riders. But there, there's been two, because I looked it up after somebody sent me feedback on that, and I looked it up, and sure enough, there is a movie um, franchise of of Marvel Knights, just like the Marvel title that there was, you know, the, the imprint with uh, certain characters, and it was uh, Punisher Warzone. I think it was one of the Go a Ghost Rider movies. Might be the most recent Ghost Rider. One other movie, and I can't remember what the name of it, what? or which one it was now, but... But for what it's worth, they, they did exactly the opposite of what we spoke about doing, and they didn't bother putting any effort into getting a good script at all, in in both of those movies at least. No, they treated them oh, as see, I, they treated them as B movies, for sure. See, I'm a big fan of Punisher Warzone, but that that's probably a discussion for another day. Um, but anyway, Tom continues here. Uh, he says, "So why not?" Uh, so why don't they shelve a Wonder Woman film and do something along the lines of what Paul was suggesting about Iron Fist with, say, uh, Birds of Prey? I know they tried this as a TV series at one point and it didn't do well, but characters like Batgirl slash Oracle, Black Canary, and the Huntress, if used faithfully, could make for a good straight-up action-adventure flick. Uh, I'm not really an, an authority on the characters, so I don't know how the story would go. But with the success of Christopher Nolan's Batman films, you could probably sell just about anything with Bat in the title as long as it's good. In that vein, I'd also like to see a, uh, a Batwoman movie. This comic is the only uh, Bat title I'm really into now. It's dark and moody, but in a more spooky vein than grim, gritty, and over-realistic. 
The costume is great. Kate Kane's uh, backstory is excellent. Maggie Sawyer is an excellent supporting character and love interest. And it has just the right balance of crime drama and supernatural thriller uh, to not get too stupid. It would be an uh, excellent noir horror film with some solid female characters that I think would really bring a wider audience to the DC-based movies. Barring those, if anyone wants to cast Peyton Manning as the NFL super pro, I'm all for it. Is that that chick from Heroes? (laughs) No, that's the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Okay. It's a sports person, uh-huh. I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. What we, we got to understand, Paul, is what you just said right there to Scott sounded like, no, he's a... Yeah, it sounded like a dog barking or something. I didn't really understand <laughs> what he said. Uh, all the best to you and have a uh, Merry Christmas. And that's from uh, Tom Panarese. And I wanted to back up to what was the thing? Oh, about the Batwoman movie. Um. I, I like the idea on the surface, but I could see them having all kinds of issues with with touching that. Because correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I won't profess to really know anything about the character at all. I don't think I've ever read anything with her in it, other than whichever it, it was either Fifty Two or Countdown, where she was one of the storylines, and then I can't remember which one. But isn't she the lesbian character? Isn't that yes, basically is. like the big shtick with her? I can't see DC fully embracing that with something that arguably they'd still want to be able to market to children and not have parents get all outraged and everything. So if they, if they tried to distance themselves from that part of that character, which up till now has kind of been one of the big selling points of the comic book well, version that of that Well, that gets back character, to spreading controversy. Right, but then I think that they then they run the risk of pissing off the the what do they call it the LGBT or whatever community, right. and, and and you've got that whole thing going. So you can't I, win, basically. With- you can't win exactly. So I don't I don't see Batwoman getting greenlit for a movie or anything anytime soon, fully intact. I if hope you know it comes I mean. out as a hard R, fully intact. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Um, somebody else want to read the next one, or you want me to keep going? This one from Andy. Yeah, I'll take it. it says um, subject line is CMM. So really simple. Guess we know what this one's about. Hello, all. Welcome back to Scott, and a hearty welcome to Paul, who I presume is here because Back to the Bins followed Scott through the black hole for the last month. No matter the reason, Paul is always welcome. Thank you, Andy. This was Andy, an excellent episode. I'm sorry. This was- what? Huh? What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Fuck. Um, this <laughs> this was an excellent episode. Good choices for discussion all around. My picks for movies, but also have included Luke Cage, as I reckon, reckon a '70s style Luke Cage movie or TV show would work exceptionally well. I doubt they would set it in the 70s, as that seems to be accepted in Hollywood as box office suicide, but something in the vein would suit Cage perfectly. Quentin Tarantino's Iron Fist, that's all I have to say. But he's got to have a muscle car. I suggest a 71 Dodge Challenger. My other picks would be a 2000 AD related, I'd love a movie version of Invasion in which the UK and Europe were taken over by aliens, actually thinly veiled Russians, and mount a resistant force or flesh in the man... 
went back in time for dinosaur meat because in the future all animals were extinct. Although a low budget, say 20 or 30 million Hawkeye Black Widow movie that was balls out 90 minute action movie or even low budget Hawkeye solo movie with Mount Fraction's recent comics could be money spinners as well. And how is lo- 20, 30 million low budget? Oh my God. Um, Good discussion about the She-Hulk graphic novel. Wild, whilst the graphic novels did boast more creative freedom, freedom. I can read tonight. Byrne found that that freedom had a, a, a leash as he learned as he tried to include a final page in Wyatt and She-Hulk were in bed together. You can see the original ending here, and he has a link. Byrne talks more about the book here, including how the helicarrier crash came to be. I also had my voice recommending Invincible, which, like Paul says, is a different genre to Walking Dead, and basically is Kirkman doing superheroes that do age and grow up. Invincible started the series in high school and is now a 20-year-old college student. It's a great read, quick, so the first six issues shouldn't take long for Chris to whiz through. Other suggestions to get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic? All-Star Batman and Robin 1-6? to the Boys Volume 1, and the Spider-Man story, The Death of Gene DeWolf. I'll suggest that one uh, as well. Take care. Hope Scott is back for good, and Paul is now a regular. Take care. Andy. Thank you very much, Andy. Hey, so long as we continue to get intelligent... uh, Huh? I said, thank you for the the kind words. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you for the near-naked She-Hulk. Yes, <laughs> I need to. You know, I need to look at that. I still haven't seen that image. I'm I'm anxious to see that now. We got one more email. Does somebody want to read it? Or you want me to go ahead and read it? Do it. Do it. Okay, I'll go ahead and read it. This one is uh, entitled TTF Comics Monthly Monday. It says, "Hey now, it's your old buddy uh, Josh Baker. I must admit, I haven't been listening for about two months." Ugh. Why, why am I even bothering to read this email? All right. He says it isn't anything Does he personal. say your name? Because that's usually why you... Um, scanning, <laughs> scanning, scanning. Uh, maybe later, and I don't see it at the moment. But he says uh, it isn't anything personally, assures us. Uh-huh. He says I just didn't want to get uh, burned out and bored with TTF. All oh. right. You start pissing me. man. <laughs> it's nothing personal. I just don't like you. <laughs> Exactly. Nothing personal. You just great on me. Suck. Yeah, exactly. Says during those couple of months, I didn't find anything that has the same feel as your show. Says, and I've tried at least ten different podcasts to pique my interest. Oh, I see. Alright, I'm getting the the gist of this now. So the rest Uh of this is basically him coming crawling back, Uh huh? Uh huh. Uh -huh. Okay. Podcast daddy, huh? Uh-huh. So I'm back a little sooner than I expected to be. Huh? Ah, yeah. It's not surprising that the quality and the enthusiasm for the subject matter hasn't changed. Kudos, you beautiful bastards. Yeah, you know. Oh, he's definitely talking about you there, Scott. Yeah, you need to keep. Yeah, send send more praise. Maybe maybe we'll let you back in. And cookies. I, I just finished listening to the latest Christmas craptacular, and it was very good. Though I don't understand the lack of love for Frosty the Snowman. I enjoyed that short quite a bit. <laughs> thumpity, thump, thump. He's, he's making friends at every turn. <laughs> May I make a suggestion for next year's show? A Gremlins commentary. Didn't you guys do did Gremlins? A show on Gremlins. It wasn't a commentary because it was a whole oh. horror vault crew. So it's uh, just too many uh, people to try to time a video with unless we're in the same room but we 
We did a Gremlin uh, show. A Gremlin's commentary would be fun, though, too. Mm-hmm. He says, between Gremlins, Die Hard, Christmas Story, Lethal Weapon, and Christmas Vacation, my holiday viewing is set. He says, well, it's back to the old iPod. I've got some catching up to do. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas and a safe and happy New Year. Take it sleazy, Josh Mother Lovin' Baker. And that's it for emails this time. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. I really do enjoy the feedback section of the show. It's a lot of fun. Even if you're just writing in to tell us that I haven't been listening because you get on my nerve. (laughs) I hate you and everyone. You guys are hard to listen to, but other podcasts are harder to listen to. (laughs) Exactly. That's pretty much what I think. You guys suck, but you don't suck as much as the rest. Yeah, exactly. This is the only show they let me listen to in the home. So... Dear Two True Freaks, I thought you guys sucked, and then I listened to those other guys, and wow, they really sucked. So I'll listen to you until something better comes along. You know you know what I want? I want the Dear Two True Freaks Comics Monthly Monday. I never thought this would happen to me story. That's That would be better. Well, we get about one of those every four years, so we've gotten one so far. <laughs> Well, are we ready to get into the Freaky Five? I think we are. Let's. T- I think we should take a quick break and then ah, come back. has got nature calling, huh? Energy oh. drink, energy drink, energy drink <laughs> makes my brain think. Energy yeah, drink makes my feet explode. stink. <laughs> when I'm at the roller rink. Oh, we can just sing or take a break. I'm not sure. Energy drink makes me pee pink. I I think Chris is finally (laughs) having a break with reality. Why, hello there, lovely ladies. May I just say that you look quite beautiful in your matching Slave Leia metal bikinis? You have permission to come aboard my den of nerd erotica. Some people would call it my mom's garage. I call it 10.1 forward. Can I interest you in a death stick? Nope. I was just kidding. Have a shot of Tranya. Once you get loosened up, we can play a friendly game of strip fizzbin. Let me loosen that strap. Hey suckers, Maury Clawhammer here, okay? You want your freaking Star Wars? I got your Star Wars right here! What about the Star Trek? You like that shit too, right? Right? That's what I thought. Well, we got that and we got more freaking comics than you can read in your entire miserable goddamn life. Hey, there's even a girl who talks about unicorns and goddamn Harry Potter and M... 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 Them goddamn Oriental cartoons with the big eyes. So you get your ass over to the Two True Freaks podcast at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, all right? All right? Good. You can get there on the internet and choose from hundreds of quality Two True Freaks podcasts. And would it kill you to buy a goddamn t-shirt? Remember, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks, Two True Freaks. Bimbo? Twinkies got bought by a bimbo? It, it, I, 
actually spelled B-I-M-B-O like bimbo, but it's not pronounced <laughs> that way. I don't know how to pronounce it. B-I-M-B-O. That's exactly bimbo, what I was thinking. Let me rephrase. It's not so much that I want Superman in the Marvel Universe. Okay. I would, I would love it if Superman became a Disney property. Because okay. I but think... Then you would have to... Huh? You'd have to pull in the whole DC universe. <laughs> if if Disney bought DC and kept it as a totally separate company from Marvel, mm -hmm. that would be fine. I'd be all for that. See, I don't, I don't really. At this point, unless you're talking about some massive revision back to an '80s, you know, an '80s era DC universe, I don't really give a shit about the rest of the DC universe. But I care about <laughs> Superman. You know, okay. I. I I, I kind of have written the DC Universe off as, like, too f beyond recognition to really care at this point. But Superman, I would love to see what Disney would do with that property, because I'm sure they wouldn't squander it the way DC is. I well, was see what Disney would do with a Superman movie. You know, exactly. you know what I'm going to do? You know, hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see what happens now that DC, that DC and Warner Brothers finally own, free, own him free and clear. Because with that court decision from two days ago, they the the settlement from two thousand and one mm -hmm. is is firmly in place. So they don't own bits and pieces of Superman anymore. DC, Warner Brothers won, right? So now they don't have to factor in what they have to pay the Seagulls. Hmm. So maybe they can exploit it better now. It's going to be interesting to see if they start doing more and more shit with with Superman now. That is going to be the confirmation that it was the lawsuit that was holding everything up. I hope so. I hope they do because as, as I love Batman as a character, but Superman's got to be the flagship title. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't like uh, him taking a backseat to anyone. Let me ask you this: Do you think that part of the the reason he looks and is being written the way he is right now is because of that lawsuit? Because the first thing I thought when I saw that story beyond the fact of going, man, shit, was, all right, well, if DC really does outright own him at this point and all that, does that mean that we're going to get some big triumphant return to the original Colors story like we did when Electric Blue Superman went away? Probably not, only because they have so much invested in what they're doing right now. So it's possible in the to do so now would make it really obvious what happened. If you do it subtly down the road, then I think it would probably go a lot better. I mean, as as you know, as upset as I've been about their handling of him and everything, the one thing that I've desperately clung to in this whole thing is that I've noticed that none of the marketing has followed. The marketing nope. is still the uh, Garcia Lopez Superman. Mm-hmm. You know? Because that's what that, they can sell. Right. Well, that always tells me that they can do what they want in their comics, but the real guy is this guy. It's the same thing as, you know, one of the, the articles I got published in, in CBG way, way, way back in the day was there was this big thing in there about all the naysayers about Peter David's Hulk at the time it was coming out. And I wrote this letter in there. Basically, the gist of it was 
Well, you stop your bitching and just enjoy the book. It's a damn good read. And of course, the Hulk will be green again one day because that's the marketed Hulk. And in that very issue that my letter, that letter got printed, the cover story on CBG that week was the Hulk is going to return to being green in such and such upcoming issue. And I was like, (laughs) I felt so justified. You know what I mean? It was like they made my point for me. So I don't know. I still cling to him going back, you know, he might not revert story wise and origin wise, but it sure would be nice to get the, you know, the, the colors back, you know, I just do not dig this new version. I'm sorry. I, I'm, it's just, it's really grown on me in all honesty. Um, I, there, there are certain things about it. I don't like, but I've just basically resigned myself to the fact that as long as he's got a red S on his chest, he's got a blue costume and a red cape that I'll be, you know, at least accepting of what they're laying down. I, I will say this about the movie costume, as much as I don't like the fact that the midsection is just a mess, uh, man, that S is beautiful. God damn, that's a beautiful S. It's huge. It's on his chest. It looks almost like George Perez, Earth 2 Superman. And I am all about that. <clears throat> I really am. I just, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I'm going to be uh, talking about that tomorrow night. I got to admit, I, I, I cheered a little bit inside. Not because I wanted Siegel, the Siegel family, to suffer, or as I, you know, I think that DC has been right all along because, you know, they did get screwed over quite heavily thanks to some creative uh, bookkeeping. Uh, that kept them from getting as much money as they could, which is a shame. But to have this bastard and do not air any of this. There was something wrong with that woman. She, uh, she bothered me. I'm glad she's dead, but. What's what? what? So didn't Jack Kirby create Superman? Yeah, Jack no. Kirby and Bill Finger. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Dude, we need to do something, not maybe necessarily a whole show, but we definitely have to have that discussion on a show. No, we should have eventually. a show called The Two True Freaks, The Definitive History of Comics, and we get everything <laughs> involved. Just, just mix it all wrong. up. Yeah. Mix yeah. up time periods, <laughs> companies. That could be a lot of fun. That could be hilarious, actually. Dude. If you really yeah, want to have that conversation, it in a condescending way, you know, as if we're the ultimate, you know, dispensers Wait. of the knowledge and wisdom of it. I've been reading through um, um, Back Issue magazine lately. You know, the the okay. whole I'm trying to read the whole run basically because I finally got them. Whether you know, I, most of them I've got in paper, but I've got a lot of them. You know, I've filled in the holes with with. Uh, digital copies but anyway i've been reading that and there was an article it referred back to some old article i'm trying to remember who it was that, that was it mark wade or somebody wrote about um when dc cleaned house oh yeah late in the was it late in the, in 50s the 60s or early 60s? In the 60s yeah and no it was and, in the late 60s yeah, and I so I was reading that. I finally tracked down that in electronic form. I was reading that article, and where I found that article in the back of that, there was actually um, as a supplemental bonus type thing to that magazine. 
Um, this was at a time when when Alter Ego apparently didn't exist as its own separate entity, so they published it in the back of this magazine. I remember that. It was a comics artist. Yes, that was it. And it was an all-Batman issue of Alter Ego. And I started reading that, and right off the bat, it pissed me off because it basically, the, the very first thing it said was, well, you know, we don't want to steal anything from Bob Kane, but, and it just went on like an issue-long tirade about, you know, how how awesome Bill Finger was, and he's the one that deserved all the credit, and he got screwed, and blah, 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 blah. And so I tried to read it with an open mind, and I, I felt like I did a pretty good job of it. But what was really funny was that there was an, a, a really interesting, um, a, a long interview in there with... Um, Damn, who was the writer? Was it Jerry Robinson? Now I'm blanking on who it was. I think it was Jerry Robinson. But basically, the 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 guy who ghost wrote the series for so many years for. No, I'm sorry. I've got it the other way around. It was he wasn't the ghost writer. He was the ghost artist. Yeah. That that worked on the series and let Bob Kane basically take. The credit it was Bob for, Kane's uh, contract that he got to do that. Ex- exactly. And in the course of that article, and I, I, I'm going to have to find the exact quote, but there was a quote by him that essentially reaffirmed my position all along, which is, I appreciate Bill Finger's contribution to the character. There's no denying that he contributed to that character. But the bottom line is, Bob Kane created that character. I, I hold to that just the same way that Stan Lee is adamant in that interview that he gave where the guy kept needling him and needling him and needling him and he finally admitted, look, I think the guy that created the character is the creator. And then he immediately regretted that he said that, but he said it. That's how I feel. I, I'm not denying Bill Finger his his piece of the pie any more than Stan's denying steve ditko his piece but the friggin guy that came up with the idea that's the creator and i think when you start tacking on other names on there where does that stop because by that reckoning if you're going to call bill finger a co-creator of batman then so is jim apero and neil adams and denny o'neill and every other person that's ever had a finger in that character as far as lending something to the legend of what we think of as Batman. So if you're going to put those creator credits on there, then you better be you know, prepared to have it look like a fucking Wikipedia entry, you know, because Didn't Siegel and Schuster created Superman. However, the Superman we have in the comics today barely resembles the character that they created. So if you're going to put that in the bottom of that issue, I think it should include, you know, Kurt Swan and John Byrne and all those guys, too. What really got me to thinking about this was an excellent episode of uh, Hey Kids Comics where somehow or other they got on the subject of Nightwing. And Andy got kind of indignant about the fact that the creator credit on Nightwing is what uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. And his point was, how the hell are they the creators of that character? Because Dick Grayson and Robin existed well before. So basically all they did was give Robin a new coat of paint 
yet suddenly they're credited with creating a brand new character. And I really liked his episode. I really liked his take. And it really got me to thinking about why is that any different than, you know, having these creator credits in any of the comics? Because the, the, you know, I appreciate what they're trying to do by honoring the person that thought the idea up in the first place. But again, my question is, where do you stop with that? Because any character, I mean, some of these characters we're following now, like Superman, have been around for 75 years. They have not been solely created in all that time by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. There are hundreds upon hundreds of people that have contributed to that mythos. So I I think at this point, I kind of understand now why, when I was a kid, the friggin' books didn't give any credits. I I think the door to these people that are going to want a piece of the pie later on, as cruel as that may sound or as sinister as that may sound. I, I think the, it's all economics. I will business. Enough. Yes. It's not I a bunch will. of artists who started up something and it became successful and turned into a business. It started out from the grassroots as a business to make money selling magazines. So it's always been commerce and, people trying to rip people off or get get you know early ideas go for shitty amount of money and because you never know who's going to be famous and then all of a sudden superman's big and who gets paid and it's yeah it's just right and parcel with well, it and and then Wolfman and perez have better lawyers and contracts these days so when they made up nightwing they copyrighted it probably and got to get their credit. No, it was the contracts that DC had at the mm. time where basically if you created a character it, or had hands in creating a character, it. It, it's why basically, you know, when they did Arkham Asylum, the video game, Jerry Conway got a cut because they had Killer Croc. And right. in fact, he was able to take his entire family to Europe on the check that he got from nice. that game. But see, Killer Croc was created out of whole cloth. He he wasn't bits and pieces of a character that already existed. No. I don't understand for the life of me, how the hell can you consider a Nightwing in the least bit an original I'm, character? Other than the costume, what elements of that character didn't previously you exist? You copyright it. No, I agree it's, with that it's completely. a character insofar as you could copyright the name of it and, and all of that. That's I'm, all. I'm, I'm not arguing that they should get credit. That that's not my point. In fact, I agree with just about everything you you said. My issue with Bob Kane isn't so much that, you know, he be listed as the sole creator of Batman. My issue with Bob Kane is the decades he spent lying to people about you know, you know, at one point he claimed that every single Batman story he drew when that's not fucking true. You know, there were there was a bunch of ghost artists that he had under his stable that he never let know. They didn't know who each other were because he didn't tell them because he didn't want them t- talking so that they would negotiate a better right. deal. I mean, from, from everything that I've read about Bob Kane, from people that liked Bob Kane, uh, you know, go from he was either the most evil human being on the face of the planet or he was just an asshole. And, you know, with, as far as Bill Finger... When he when Bob Kane came to him, the character was Birdman. He had a red costume and a black domino mask. And through talking with Finger is when he became Batman and got the costume and everything else. 
So in that, if 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 no one's working on that first story, just as Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster are the ones working on the first Superman story, you know, just because Bob Kane had a lawyer dad that cut him a better deal does not diminish what Bill Finger brought to that character. And there's silence. I mean, I'm processing, you know, because I, 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 I understand what you're saying. And to a, to a large degree, I agree with you. But it just seems to me that there's a difference there. Because Siegel and Schuster went into Superman as a partnership. So they, they thought that character up together and they, uh, you know, you know, marketed it around. So they finally sold it. But it was all together as a business. I don't get that sense okay. Except, except for the couple Finger. of months where, except for the couple of months where Jerry Siegel was shopping around other artists, uh, which is hmm. another thing they don't really include. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he had like right. three or four yeah, people. No, I, yeah, I had heard that. Now that you mention <laughs> it, at which point I, I don't went, know. Oh. I mean, no, but but no, I I see it completely. What you're saying is that Bob Kane was charged with creating a character. He came up with some concepts got together with Bill Finger, who was a writer who also worked for DC Comics. They came up with this character, but it was basically Bob's idea, so he's he's the creator. I get that. Right. Um, and, and, to a cert, and to a certain extent, you've kind of shifted my perception here. So congratulations. Uh, I'm not saying you're right, because that will just feed your ego, and I don't need that right now. Um, no, I'm just kidding, dude. <laughs> My, my point, though, is that, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, so I don't know if you'll know what I'm talking about, but there was a thing that uh, that Ditko sent somebody, some, some publication out there, some fanzine or something, and it was a piece of paper. And on one side of it, it was just almost completely white with, like, little vague shapes and, like, little, I don't know, stars or something, and the word Spider-Man. And then on the other side was, I don't remember if it showed the costume or if it was just a list of words, but it was a list of words like, you know, webbed costume. And, and like, basically, he was drawing a line between Stan having a blank slate idea and mm -hmm. then Ditko, you know, the costume, you know, yeah. and, and how, you know, how it was, you know... Stan thought up the character, Ditko provided the visual. And again, I get that. I understand that. I mean, I understand that that Ditko's look is is arguably, you know, just as important as as Stan having come up with the idea because if he'd have got another artist or, or you know, who knows that character could have could have come and gone and nobody would have ever known or remembered it today, you know? So I'm not denying Ditko's contribution, and and so I feel the same way about Finger's contribution. I'm not denying the contribution that if Kane, left to his own devices, may have created a character that never made a blip on anybody's radar. Granted, I I'll, I accept that argument, but at the end of the day, I just I side with Stan in the in the fact that I think it's the guy that comes up with the friggin' idea is the creator. It, it's just you know. It's that's the the where the genesis of the idea came is is the guy whose brain sparked the idea, you know, and so no, I mean no character is ever 
you know, born fully flushed out. I mean, all of them. I mean, you know, Star Trek's another really good example of that. You know, I mean, Gene Roddenberry may have come up with basic concepts and all, but it's the entire course of that original series where it's shaded in. And you can see that when you start watching from the first episode and you get to the end of the, the first season, you realize, oh, you know, okay, well, that's where this came from and that's where that came from. And so it didn't just pop out of the box fully formed. These characters are the same way. So I don't know. At, at the end of the day, what it really swayed me on was not so much putting Finger's name in the credits too as taking everybody's names off the damn credits is what it really swayed me to because i mean in all honesty anytime you see that it's not out of some altruism on the part of the comic company it's basically somebody has a contract saying that if this happens i mean when you see it's it's like if you see any of these dc animated films or any of the episodes of justice league there was always a section of the credits superman created by jerry siegel and joe schuster batman created by bob kane wonder woman mm-hmm. created by william Moulton marston and that's because dc and warner brothers and all of them have contracts in exactly. place to say we got to do this exactly so, you know and i'll agree with you completely because it, it's like who created wolverine was it len ween and and herb trimpey or was it John Byrne and Chris Claremont who really See, that's defined a, that character? Yeah, it's funny you bring you know, that up because that was another issue of, of Beck issue that I just finished reading not long ago was basically the history of Wolverine. And, you know, if, if they if Marvel was suddenly forced to put those credits in yeah. every issue of X-Men, that would be incredibly awkward because Len Wein, by his own admission... Wolverine was a completely different character than the direction that Claremont and Byrne ran with him because uh, Ween's Wolverine was was supposed to be teenaged and the claws were part of the gloves, the, the gauntlets, yeah. rather than a, a natural part of... So basically everything we know of Wolverine today came from persons other than the person that came up with the character. So again, he did the art in the original issue, but John Romita Sr. came up with the actual look. It's exactly. the same yeah. as the Punisher. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was John Romita who came up with the look of the Punisher, but it was Ross Andrew that first drew the character. And Jerry Conway, you know, was the writer on that and basically handled the character for most of his early appearances. But a lot of the stuff that we think of as Punisher came later. Now, I'm, I'm with you, Scott, completely on this is that... See, you know, it's all well and good. And it's, it's one of the things, uh, and this the Siegel lawsuit really brings, brought, you know, solidified in my mind my, my opinion on certain subjects. One of them being, you know, we mythologize these people to the point where we make them superheroes in and of themselves. Right. And if you really look, I mean, it, it's, it's like everybody wants to demonize Harry Donenfeld and Jack Leibowitz. And to be fair, Harry Donenfeld was a pornographer that got into publishing comics because LaGuardia was cracking down on porn and he had to get into a legitimate business. Leibowitz was his accountant who rose up through the ranks and became a partner. They screwed Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson out of DC Comics. They Mm -hmm. used loopholes to basically buy him out because he was having trouble and they took advantage of that. So these guys really don't play fair. However, they 
those two men, along with Vincent Sullivan and Max Gaines, were the ones that said, we're going to take a chance on this Superman thing. Superman was turned down by everybody with saying, you're just not ready for prime time to this just isn't a good idea that will have no lasting appeal because they didn't, they didn't see that it could have become what it eventually did. Chad Leibowitz and Harry Donenfeld didn't really see that either. You know, it's, it's like they're like, okay, this character has potential. Let's put him in this book. He wasn't on the covers of issues two, three, or four of Action <clears throat> Comics. Right. Other people well, were. They were generic. Covers. I was just reading an article by Frank Zappa about the old days of stuff like that, where the old guys would be like, I don't know if this is good or not. Let's put it out and see if anybody buys it. We'll just put out a lot of stuff and we'll see who bites, you know? So did they screw over Siegel and Schuster from a, with some very creative bookkeeping? Like I said, yeah, they cheated them out of a lot of money. And then when they finally sued, their lawyers were better than Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. So there is some speculation that Siegel's lawyer kind of cut a deal with them just to make the lawsuit end. Um, that's not proven, but it's pretty much like, huh, that it's kind of weird that his lawyer, you know, after the after the thing was all settled, went and started his own production company. Hmm, that's that takes a lot of money to do that. So where did that money come from? So however, to to demonize them and say they're just evil people, without those people, you don't have Superman today. And, the, and that's one of the things is that I, you know, I have nothing but respect for Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. But let's face it, Superman was Jerry Siegel's one good idea. Are they, you know, apparently the Spectre is involved in this lawsuit as well, in the, the 2001 settlement that finally went through. Hmm. But uh, is he, is he going, yeah, because he, but is he going after Star Spangled Kid? Are they bitching and moaning about that character? Or he co-create that one? Yeah, he created uh, the Star Spangled Kid as well. Oh, I, I guess I didn't realize that. So it's like, and every other idea he had failed. Right. It, it, except for Dr. Occult. But Dr. Occult didn't really appear all that long either. So, right. Well, so, I mean, they, there was a great, um, I don't know if it went beyond two issues, but I have two issues of it. it was, uh, was it by Eclipse? I can't remember. It was one of those '80s indie, you know, indie companies that came and went. But it was uh, uh, the two issues I have. It was called uh, something like Dateline 1930s Siegel and Schuster or something like that. And it was basically rare and unpublished work by Siegel and Schuster from the '30s. It's interesting from a time capsule sort of perspective, but you look at it and and really it really solidifies your you know what you had said was that superman was definitely you know that was their thing you know that was that was their coca-cola because nothing else they ever did you know amounted to anything and, and i'm not trying and, to insult them by saying that it's just no i mean it, it's the truth though you know i mean if it hadn't been for that you know who knows you know they they i don't think they would be remembered today, you know? And that's the thing is that it was, it was Donenfeld and Leibowitz that put him on the radio. It was Donenfeld and Leibowitz that, that put him in the animated shorts. And, every, you know, the argument there always is, well, 
Siegel and Schuster could have done that too. Well, yeah, but they didn't have a couple million dollars behind them to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's just like, well, they got screwed over. It was only $138. It was a standard business practice in <laughs> 1938 that you signed that shit over because they knew, they knew, Leibowitz and Donafeld knew that the money was in, in who owned the rights to the character. And there's also things, Ger- Gerard Jones brought this up in his book, uh, Men of Tomorrow, Geeks, Gangsters, and, and, and uh, comic books or something like that, I forget, or The Birth of the Comic Book. You know, right. there, there, there's anecdotal evidence that Jerry Siegel could have gotten a lawyer much sooner, but wanted to handle it on his own because he considered him. He's like, well, I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. Not realizing he was going up against a guy who was like 10, 15 years older than him. And it came up during the Depression as the um, as like the bookkeeper for the the garment workers. I mean, this, you know, Jack Leibowitz was was a man that knew how to make numbers work for him. And right. it's just it's this whole thing where, you know, yeah, they were they, they were kind of sleazy guys, but they were also human beings and to sit there and try to make them evil, it's 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 like these people that get so wrapped up in, you know, Siegel and Schuster as the good guys and Leibowitz and Donenfeld as the bad guys. It's like they need them to be the supervillains of the story just because it right. fits in their worldview. And to be fair, love Jerry Siegel and have as much respect as I do. Everything he wrote before he got, you know, the created by credit. It was all very convenient retelling of the legend to suit his own purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, he never wrote about the fact that other artists worked on the character. That came up because of the lawsuit. I mean, it's just, I mean, these are things when I find out, it like, it just adds more humanity to, um, to, to the whole story. And it actually makes me appreciate them, um, even more to a certain extent. It's like the fact that Superman has this huge, rich history full of these complicated people just makes him a better character for me. It does, but I think there's a large portion of it for me is just the fact that, you know, and again, this interview with with Jerry Robinson really pointed this out spectacularly, I thought, because he was very... um, accepting of the whole thing because to him he he didn't have a sense of of i'm entitled to recognition or i you know i i deserve to have my name on anything to him when he was questioned about it was just well that's how it was you know yeah exactly we 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 knew it going in it was work for hire you knew exactly what the deal was up front you, you you didn't even consider that you know 20 30 you know 50 years later you might want to go back and, and renegotiate and, and get a piece of that pie. He's very content with his place in comic book history because that was the deal he, he had worked. So I've always considered myself very much you know, in a good position to where I see both sides of the story. I the only thing that makes me sympathize or I'll, I'll rephrase is the thing that makes me sympathize the most with the seagulls isn't isn't honestly any great love for either one of them is just I, I I could I can imagine what that would feel like that you invent something that big you know like like Coca-Cola or or Superman or whatever you know just one of those massive things and all you ever see 
is a pittance out of it. Now, we, of course, we've learned in subsequent years that they got significantly more than a pittance, that how they tried to portray the whole thing is not Five really million true. dollars back then. Back then, yeah. not, not adjusted for inflation. They made, over the 10 years that they worked on the character, five million dollars. Yeah, see, so they, you know, they weren't going to die paupers unless they just didn't know how to handle their money, which I've heard that too. So I, you know, but that's where I, that's where I always sympathized with them is that like, yeah, that would suck that, you know, you create something massive and never really get your proper due out of it. However, the, the other side of that, the side that I honestly have always leaned with is that, you know, a deal's a deal's a deal. Whether it's a mm-hmm. handshake, whether it's a written contract, whatever, if you went in with your eyes yep. open and you signed it, then a deal is sometimes a deal. Sometimes you make a, a good deal. deal, sometimes you make a bad sometimes deal. Sometimes you make a bad deal. I just yeah, and happened so- with that King Kong stuffed animal on eBay. It was just like, oh, I sold that <laughs> for $5 and it's a one-of-a-kind prototype. Well, you know. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, think, I think about I mean, you know all, all the uh, good efforts we're putting in here and the money that Demonzo Corp is raking in that we're not seeing a dime of. Exactly. That's because well, Chris you know, can't read. He just signs shit, and it pisses me off. It's, well, Scott, you gave him power of attorney in this. Technically, situation. I just what put the fuck my mark were you on thinking? it. <laughs> I thought it said power of Anthony is what I thought it said. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice guy. No, Tony's Tony's his lawyer. <laughs> You know, it's really funny that, that I, I sometimes feel like um, a nut. I don't. Well, always. I always sometimes feel like don't. a nut. Well, it, sometimes just, I don't. Sometimes I feel like a, a bad Superman fan because I feel the way I do about the Seagulls. Like, I feel like I'm the one guy in the room most of the time that's like, guys, whoa, let's, let, let, let's think about this rationally. Uh, everyone was human here. So, there's a lot to the story you're not that we all don't know about. How about we don't judge these people based on you know just being angry that two people got taken advantage of, and it, it, it's it, it actually. But like I said, it actually makes me appreciate the create. It's like this would make a great just just the creation of Superman itself would make a fantastic movie. Like all of the players involved, oh, yeah. e- even Donenfeld and Leibowitz, and but you can't play Especially them as mustache twirling villains. You have to play it as the complex situation that it was. Right. Because because Scott's right. A deal is a deal is a deal. They, you know, there's you know Max Gaines said to Vincent Sullivan, "Hey, the Superman thing has legs. So sell it." And, you know, it's like it was a $400 check because the 138 was thrown in with a bunch of other stuff that they were getting paid for that week. And that's just how it was done. There was a book that came out in the 90s called Comic Book Rebels, and it was edited by Stephen Bissett and uh, one of the other guys that worked on Swamp Thing with him. It may have been Beach, I don't know. But basically, the entire point of the book was... We're at the foreground of a comic book revolution and comic creators' rights. So they interviewed people like, you know, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird and Harvey Picar and Todd McFarlane, but they also interviewed Will Eisner. And I think that's the one that they probably thought was going to give them the best, you know, argument for creators' rights. And he's the one in the middle of the interview that goes, you know, without DC Comics, Superman would have been nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they- 
And, yeah. and that was the first time I thought about he's an old school it. guy. He's, he saw it, you know. That's his time period. That's my point, is that, you know, you got these young guys, at the time young, uh, who, you know, all full of piss and vinegar, and here comes the guy they thought was going to be, like, their hero, <laughs> who said, you know, without Jack Leibowitz, the, you know, and them putting... I mean, think about the amount of money that DC Comics and then Warner Brothers put behind keeping... Think of how omnipresent Superman was in the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. I mean, you look at the merchandise, that character was then to what Spider-Man is now. You know, there was... You all remember Superman peanut butter? Dad, we forgot the peanut butter. Can we buy Superman peanut butter? Our brand's fine, honey. Have you ever tasted Superman peanut butter? Its strength is its great taste. Mmm, delicious. Smooth and creamy, a real fresh roasted peanut flavor. It's nutritious too. The good housekeeping seal must be good. It did taste terrific. Superman peanut butter. Its strength is its great taste. Oh, yeah. There was two types. Creamy and crunchy. So think about all of the money that it cost to put that out there. And then think about taking that character and giving it to people that don't have those resources. Mm -hmm. If something fails, it's all over. So I just, I don't mean to get all worked up about it. I just, this is, it's such a complicated issue for me. And (sighs) I'm going to be talking about it tomorrow. You guys just did a whole show in itself there. (laughs) That's why I, uh, I like Comics Monthly Monday. Well, we should probably dive into this because uh, <laughs> the hour's getting late and we still got two big old segments of the show to do. For this time around, for the Freaky Five, we've got top five stories you would like to see adapted into other media. So who wants to go first with this one? Uh... I'll go. Oh, go. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Because yeah, uh, I actually had a tough time with this one. Uh, if you remember, we go back uh, last month. I didn't vote for this particular one because I was having a tough time figuring out, you know, first of all, what media to go with, and I didn't want to make kind of a replay of last month's, uh, you know, movie characters one. So the first thing I started to do was I started to come up with what type of other media would I use. And the first thing I thought of was a Broadway show uh, going in line with our Back to the Bins discussion about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> turn off the dark. And uh, honestly, I don't remember ever hearing an idea for something that was being adapted for Broadway and thinking, wow, that's a great idea. That's going to that's gonna be a hit. So as much as I thought about it, I couldn't think of one comic book property I thought would be a successful Broadway show. So I had to basically toss that idea. So the categories or the media I came up with were a television series, a video game, an animated movie, an audio drama, and a novelization. Uh, For the TV series, I actually had discussed that last month as well. And uh, I really think Why the Last Man would translate to a TV series uh, similar to The Walking Dead really, really well. Uh, I think you can do, you know, weekly episodes, you have season story arcs, and, and 
it would just play very, very well. And I, I, that was my first idea. Uh, for a video game, being a non-gamer, uh, I was also having a tough time thinking of something that hasn't been done yet that would be worth doing. And I came to Crisis on Infinite Earths, the video game, which I think would just be like so cool. Because you could just go through different levels and bring it up and, and go with basically every DC character in there uh, and, and have the you know, galactic-style uh, battles. Lego Crisis on Infinite Earths. Lego would play very, very well. <laughs> I, I would sign on for that, too. Uh, I, just, I just think you know, that, that story has such, you know, such a wide range to it, such a, a large arc. It's just so uh, epic that it could play really, really well with having to get through certain levels and get on to the next thing. Uh, for an animated movie, uh, they had teased us with it for a while before they decided that every DC movie was going to be either Superman or Batman. Uh, and they had talked about doing the Judas Contract as an animated movie. And I think that would be really cool if they did it. Because originally they were going to do it in the George Perez animation, you know, do the animation in the George Perez style and be very true to the uh, to the to the to the writing of the story, uh, as opposed to what they did on the Teen Titans TV series, which was good, but not really true to that story. Uh, audio drama, everything so far that's come out that I've heard from uh, Graphic Audio has been DC. So I figured, let me let me think of what Marvel story would translate well to that. I came to the Infinity Gauntlet which I think would play very similar to their uh, version of uh, Infinite Crisis, which I really like. Yeah. Well, Civil War is coming out in March. As an, as a, uh, as an audio drama? Yeah, they have a Marvel pr- license now. They're going to be doing Civil War in March based on the Stuart Moore novel, and they have a couple Spider-Man ones on the pipeline as well. Uh, that's pretty cool. I, I, I like Civil War. I know a lot of people really couldn't stand it and there's, it's definitely got problems with it the biggest of which, which is that they presented one side of the uh, argument that they made the other side seem like you know well they're all bad guys i yeah. liked the spider-man portion of civil war and even yeah. if uh if they hadn't done the whole you know, one more day thing, just simply backpedaling on that would have been enough to to get me to, to walk away from Spider-Man forever because I felt like for the first time in decades, really, that character was suddenly fresh and original and interesting again because of the direction they were taking mm-hmm. him. And, and I just had this sense of, Wow, I can't tell where this story's going, but I really am enjoying the ride. I thought I thought they were being really ballsy, and it's funny looking back on it now. I can't believe at my age I could be that naive <laughs> not to see the writing on the wall that if okay, if they're doing this and revealing his identity and everything, then we're living on borrowed time as far as them rebooting him somehow, which is exactly what they did. Yeah, they, I they totally should have seen that coming and didn't. Sorry. They, they chickened out way early on that. They didn't let yeah. that even run its course. Yeah. You know, I, I, I understood from the beginning that eventually it would go back to status quo and somehow his identity would become secret again. But I really thought they would go much longer uh, and, and, you know, just mine the stories that were created by that, that plot development. And they didn't. Yeah. No, but they uh, didn't. I, I know you're not a cosmic 
guy. Have you ever read the Infinity Infinity Gauntlet? Oh yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, uh, when uh, Chris and I were living together in Rochester back in the nineties, uh, in my in my bedroom, I used to have the the poster, the Perez poster for that was hanging. Uh, it was either on my door or on my wall. And uh, I remember when we used to have friends come over and stuff, they'd always see that and go and be like, oh, that's awesome, because that was a great piece of art. I haven't read it in probably that long a time, you know, probably a good 20 years, but I dug it when it was new and fresh. Yeah, I thought it was a really good story. I, I liked Cap standing up to... I'm sorry? I think it could be a good get Chris to read a goddamn comic. That's not a bad idea, That's not because I'm not sure he has ever read that one, but... Uh, if I, unless I'm thinking of one of the sequel chapters, which I didn't like as much, mm-hmm. I, I'm I think, pretty sure isn't I have Infinity read Gauntlet it. the one. Isn't Infinity Gauntlet the the original chapter? Isn't that the one yep. where Cap stands up to Thanos at some point? Oh yeah, he basically yeah. tells him, you, you know, you if one of us stands up to you, you've lost. Basically, it was a right. It's a it's a great scene punctuated by Thanos going and Cap disappearing, but still, it's just. The cojones it takes to stand up to a god when you're just a man, even a you know a man who's augmented as Cap was, you know he's not cosmic, so it's just a great scene. Yeah, and and there's there's a lot of great moments in that, and I think it would really play well. Plus, you know, you have virtually the entire Marvel universe in there too, so you can get a lot of really cool voice acting. And my last, my last Freaky Five was the uh, a novelization, and I thought. The twelve-issue Squadron Supreme story from the nineteen eighties would make a cool novelization to put out oh, there. Oh yeah, and that's one I don't think was ever done. So that's my five. That's too bad. Uh, uh, what's his name? Grunwald's not around to do that because yeah, I, I would. I'd like to read that definitely. I that was a story I enjoyed, but I always felt like uh, he could have put a little more meat on the bone to that one, so yeah, it's if he if he could be around to write it or, you know, if they suddenly found a manuscript somewhere, I'd, I'd totally be down for that. <laughs> but that that was exactly my thought, is is it, it was such a, a, you know, basically a full universe that he was creating, I mean, albeit a, a uh, uh, you know, a ripoff of the DC universe, basically, but uh, right. he was creating such a full universe that it would be really good to see them delve deeper into it and give you more detail our buddy uh bill he gave me um a graphic novel marvel graphic novel that i didn't even know existed death of a universe oh yeah that was the one um i mean he didn't give it to me he lent it to me to read i i haven't had a chance to even crack the cover on it yet but i'm curious to check it out because i'd like to know where that goes but unfortunately, that means I'm going to have to sit down and read Squadron Supreme again because I I can only I only have like the vaguest of of memories of that, and I say unfortunately only because I enjoyed it. But I remember that being that's like an epic read. I mean, you and the ending Watchmen, really kind of lets you down. Yeah, I mean, you you think Watchmen can be a meaty read that. You know, you really got to sit down and devote time to. I found Squadron Supreme was ten times the uh, the investment that that Watchmen ever was, is because it, it's it's. Uh, I don't want to say it's a slog, but it takes time to work through that story. You know, um, but I'm, I'm curious to check it out though, because I I'm firmly of the opinion that uh, 
Squadron Supreme does not get its due. I, I think it was far overshadowed and out, you know, out uh, marketed or whatever by Watchmen. But I think it it deserves its, uh, you know, a, a little more recognition than what it gets. I believe because it's essentially the same idea, you know, done first, just not, you know, it just didn't gather the the same hype and audience or whatever that Watchmen did for whatever reason. I, I in some ways I think it did when it was a new property. I think it had just as much, le- you know, just as much. Uh, impact when it first came out but for whatever reason i think watchman has had better legs and has become you know uh just i I don't know what the word would be but it's just you know like gotten bigger than it was whereas squadron supreme has kind of gotten forgotten right well i think i remember when it was coming out and it was really uh you know praised a lot my guess would be is that at the end of the day, Squadron Supreme still feels like a mainstream comic book in a lot of ways, whereas Watchmen, I think Watchmen appeals to people that never really dug comics to begin with, or never, I'll put it this way, never really dug mainstream superhero comics. So I think that a lot of the fans of it are people that just naturally want to try to kind of take the piss out of the whole superhero genre. Anyway, looking at it and going, see, see, Alan Moore's making my point nah. for me. This is all stupid. Nah, well, I, that's I the really... other thing you have to you have to factor in is the pretentious fans who have to say, it's, you know, nobody can write anything as good as Alan Moore. It's because Watchmen's self-contained. It's, it's its own thing. There's nothing, well, now there's stuff after it, but at the time there's nothing before it or after it. You didn't have to learn anything about it. You didn't have to know anything about it. It was all. It was. Yeah, it's I think Squadron book. Supreme was like that. Well, it was too, all. Though, who were the it? characters in it? I can't remember any of them. So, Nighthawk, Hyperion, Nighthawk, Doctor Spectrum, Power Wizard. Princess. Right. Yeah. I mean, much like the character that we're going to talk about in, in the Get Chris you know get chris to read segment it's they were analogs for the oh, dc okay. universe characters you know so it, it was th- it was just like watchmen it was thinly veiled um reimaginings of existing characters but i didn't i i didn't feel like you you lacked anything going into that story you know what i mean that you know you could pretty much just dive right into it with no you know, real preconceptions or anything of who the characters were. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to sidetrack us on that. Um, Mike, did you want to go next with your uh, Freaky Five? Sure. Uh, I decided to to take this in kind of an, uh, a different route because I, I think the idea was to, you know, just take a bunch of different characters and such. But since it is Superman's 75th birthday, I actually thought of the five stories that I would like to adapt and how I would want to see them adapted. <laughs> I think you and I have similar lists. Okay. So number five, uh, and this isn't really like, like number one is, is my favorite, but the, the rest really are just kind of, you know, not really in any particular order. But number five is the world of Krypton miniseries from 1979 done in the sky captain in the world of tomorrow style. Ooh, where it's people against basically a completely digital background, but really bright and happy and stuff like like that story, and really showcase how awesome that miniseries was. 
And I would do it as a three-part miniseries uh, for HBO or for CW or whoever wants to do it. But I love that story. I think it's uh, I, 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 I think that and the Krypton Chronicles, those two miniseries really encapsulate all that was awesome about the Bronze and Silver Age Krypton. So number four, we have Superman Unbound coming out in a couple of months, which adapts the... Superman Brainiac storyline that Jeff Johns wrote and Gary Frank drew. Um, when I first heard that they were going to do that, I'm like, guys, you're missing out on what could be a potentially even better story to tell. And that is an animated panic in the sky mm -hmm. where Superman takes the fight to the aliens and just how awesome that would be. Um, just, just to see how that plays out. Basically. I like that um, one. And you could have done it as a Justice League movie almost with Superman being just the main character because of all the characters that you could have included and maybe even getting an animated gangbuster, which would have made me happy. But number three, this is a weird one. And I don't know exactly how you would do it as a movie, but there was a three part story that ran from like Superman 410 to 413, and they had to take a break in the middle of it to do the Julia Schwartz birthday issue. But it was basically Superman is fooled into reporting on something that didn't happen, so Clark Kent gets fired from the Daily Planet. And I just think that that would be an interesting story to play out, you know, just to see what it would be like. Uh, just you know, just kind of something to focus on Clark Kent uh, as that version of Clark Kent, who was, I think by that point, you know, the, the writing was kind of on the wall about, you know, something needs to be done about Superman. But I think that story, I don't know if you guys have ever read it. Um, mm -hmm. It was just, it was just a great storyline. And it even made Steve Lombard into a good, into like a, like a character I liked where he wasn't just this douchebag. Did he get killed? Uh, no, he had actually, <laughs> he had been fired from the planet as well and opened up a sporting goods store and he and Clark have this great conversation where he's just like, you know, I was a jerk to you. Uh, number two, and this isn't a comic book story, but I would love to see it adapted into a movie anyways. Superman versus the Atom Man from the radio series. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just a straight up 40s era Superman story where he goes up against the Adam Man character. I think that would just be awesome. Uh, they kind of did a like a quote unquote modern day adaptation. Scott and I talked about it on Back to the Bins. But no, I'm serious. Like, you know, everybody in fedoras and double breasted suits and, you know, wouldn't, you know, like wood fixtures at the Daily Planet and all that. I would just love to see it. Finally, this is a cheat, but it's important to do it the way I want to do it. A series of films, three movies, a trilogy that adapts the Supergirl saga, where at the end Superman kills the Phantom Zone villains, him going crazy, and the gangbuster thing in the second film, and then the third film adapting Exile with him in space and fighting Mongol and the gladiators and stuff like that. Do it as a trilogy of animated films. I think that would be awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting dry there. 
But seriously, go That's through the whole said. thing with Supergirl. Yeah, exactly. Go through <laughs> the whole thing with with the Supergirl and the pocket dimension where he kills the Kryptonians in the second film. Explore, you know, the ramifications of Superman taking a life, which is what I think the creators did brilliantly in that story. Um, and in the third one, you know, at the end of that second one, he leaves Earth. And in the third one, have him out in space finding this relic from Krypton and returning home into this badass fight scene with a robot. So, and that's what I would do. That's my freaky five. I'll go ahead and run down mine real quick. Um, I, I really like the way Paul set his up. I wish I had thought of that. Cause, uh, just as I was sitting down and, and finalizing my list before the show, I did swap one out when I realized that pretty much all of what I had in mind were, either movies or um, animated movies or, you know, something to do with, with movies and television type of things. And I got to thinking, you know, media means anything that's out there. So kind of combining both this idea of, you know, top five stories I'd like to see in other media, but also with something from a prior list that we, we actually had as one of our multiple choices, but we didn't go with uh, one. I thought was a really great one was, uh, uh, top five ideas in comics or whatever that you, you can't believe just hadn't ever been done or hadn't been done yet. And it got me to thinking about, all right, it's not that like I think this is a top five story because I thought that the final product was pretty lame versus the buildup to the whole thing. But when you consider, if you lived through this event and you consider the marketing that went on during the time where there were t-shirts and posters and hats and everything else in addition to the comic book series i can't believe this never happened so number five on my list marvel versus dc the video game how the hell did that never happen I, i'm amazed that that didn't happen at Licensing. that time yeah it's that's got to be what it was but okay so again not like i thought the series was really that fantastic but you wouldn't have to really pay attention to the series anyway. I Basically, this is just my way of getting Marvel versus DC, the video game, on the list. Because I think that could be a lot of fun. I wouldn't want to see it be one of those stupid, you know, your guy stands on the left, my guy stands on the right, and they fight like Rock'em Sock'em Robots kind of game. I'd want it to be more like, say, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, where you go in and you pick your characters and you form a team kind of thing. And you go out and you, you fight battles. But I think that could be a lot of fun, especially if they did it to where, you know, most of the game it is strictly Marvel versus DC. Yet at the end of the game, it's more of a team up or maybe even go with the whole uh, amalgam route where you have mashups of characters from the from each universe that form an entirely new character like uh, Captain America and, and Superman becoming super patriot type of thing. I think that could be a blast. I think that could be a lot of fun. Number four. Um, you know, again, trying to be positive, that sort of thing. But I think it just has to be said. If you're going to make a movie and you're going to make the name of that movie Man of Steel. And you're not at you're not doing an adaptation of John Burns book of the same title. I think you're doing it wrong. So number four for me is uh, Man of Steel live action adaptation of the John Byrne miniseries 
that basically gave us what I still consider the very best version of that character ever. Um, however, with the caveat that uh, I think you need to take out the middle chapter. I, I, that Batman issue never worked for me. So take that Batman portion of it out, which, you know, at this point, they still haven't done the, the whole mashup thing with, uh, with a DC movie yet anyway. And uh, I think, you know, you take the remaining issues of that, rework them a little bit. And, uh, and I think you've got one fantastic movie with the right, you know, director and actors and, and that sort of thing. So that's the Man of Steel movie I wish that we were getting this year. Um, but since that's not going to happen, uh, my alternate to uh, Man of Steel was uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun to take that old Superman record from when I was a kid and uh, adapt Mystery of the Mad Minnows into a live-action Superman movie, just so I can see the part where he goes, Riz, Riz, Riz! <laughs> not, not Light the Tree, Mr. President? <laughs> where Superman oh God, takes acid right there at the beginning of the thing? <laughs> um, number three is one that I know I talk about a lot, and uh, in fact, it's going to get talked about a whole lot in this upcoming year of Superman's 75th anniversary. Um, I think I would like to see this one done as one of those really nice, uh, nicely animated Superman direct-to-video things, that, or excuse me, the DC direct-to-video things that they've been doing lately, because I think the the quality and the production on those is really nice um and that would be the phantom zone miniseries i would love to see that but if if they if they did it i'd want it to be you know the what are they, are they rating those things these days pg-13 pg-17 yeah, something like that yeah I, yeah i i'd want them to i'd want to see them do it with the teeth in it you know just like the original miniseries because that book really does the more i go back and examine that that four issue mini the more it continues to impress me the year it came out and what it is because it was really very bold for the time that it came out it was a very violent a very dark story and i really don't feel like they pulled punches for something that was on the rack right beside you know the latest issues of you know, Archie and things like that, that book was was right on the same level as something like Watchmen and Dark Knight. It was uh, a dark and, and violent book. And I really think that that's what made it what it was, was uh, that it was a very adult uh, take on this portion of the Superman universe, which was, what if the Phantom, you know, the Phantom Zone villains got loose on Earth and nobody was there to stop them? And I love that. I think that's, I think it's great, and I'd love to see that as a as a fully realized animated film. Um, number two would be uh, another one that I'd want to see. Now, this one spun out of the idea that uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I know that they are doing the uh, the adaptation of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns as a couple of uh animated features yeah so this one's one coming out in a couple weeks so you know this one would have to be at least two chapters probably more i mean i'd love to see it broken down to say i don't know three four six chat however many it would take to to really be able to tell 
the story and not have to cut corners. Because one of the things I'm liking about these productions is, for one, because they're direct to DVD, because they're doing the PG-13 thing, they can be a little more adult. They can they can not pull punches, that sort of thing. But also, you can tell these things are aimed right at the fanboy. So they're not having to dumb it down for an audience that they're afraid they might lose if they put too much geek stuff into it. They can really aim it right at that geeky audience. So I say go for broke, do Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's one I would really like to see. But the only way I'd ever want anybody to touch that story is if they were devoted to bringing it to the screen the same way it looks in the books. You know, don't cut things out. Don't change it. Don't take the teeth out of it. Don't water it down. I don't want to see the the death of Superman version of Crisis on Infinite Earths because as interesting a movie as Death of Superman is, it does not remotely resemble the the epic comic book storyline, and that bugs me a lot. I, I feel like if you weren't going to do the story, then don't don't even make it. Don't put the same name on it if you're not going to tell the same story. Um, lastly, it's one I keep bringing up. I'm going to keep saying that when you guys keep asking me, what's the comic book movie you want more than any? Uh, I want to see Destroy as a big budget special effects uh, extravaganza live action movie. Um, I'm hoping that I live long enough to see somebody finally make that movie. I want to see Destroy. I think that could really, really, really be awesome. Um, and that's pretty much my list. I just had one quick honorable mention. Um, if they could really do it with the same quality and, and say the same budget as like walking dead season one i'd love to see somebody like uh, amc or hbo or whoever would do it justice i would not mind seeing starman as a regular series especially if it was a straight up adaptation of the of the book that it came from again not watering it down not changing things but really just giving us what was on the page because that was a wonderful series that really, in a lot of ways, I look at that as a, it was kind of a love letter to the Justice Society and, and that era of heroes. And uh, I think that could be a lot of fun, too. And that's my list. I, I could go on all day. I thought of so many different things for this, but these were the big ones that I really thought were important. Well, my list is unlike anybody else's because I thought it was the top five comics that were successful in other mediums. So I, I didn't know I was supposed ah. to be fantasizing. If I was fantasizing, it'd be a lot easier. I could find a million things. So I, I compiled a list of what I thought were the top five um, comics that got put into other mediums or that, 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 ah, translated, okay. that, that got translated successfully into other mediums. So number five is, is, a weir- is of course, a weird one, obscure one. Probably, probably Michael will know what this one is. Is uh, when the wind blows was a a comic about an old British couple that get nuked. Well, Britain gets nuked, and they try to maintain their prim and proper Irish lifestyle. And it was a really colorful, nice like storybook comic. And it ends with them like bleeding out of their mouths and still trying to make tea and stuff. Yeah, it 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 was. 
probably one of those depressing movies I have ever seen in my entire. But it was life. almost like the 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 book came to life. It was exactly. Yeah. It was like exactly, but with like Roger Waters and David Bowie doing the music, just to make you want to slit your throat even more. But it's like that dry British funny nihilism. But I thought that was like, that's like one of the few examples where it's like, there's the comic almost word for word, you know, come to life. Um, Number four is Walking Dead, which has been TV and like video games. It's had, seems to be having a lot of success with that and books. So that's translated into a, a bunch of mediums, all pretty much successfully. Three is a movie that I, that it, it's weird, but um, Sin City. I thought that was pretty much those comic books come to life. You could almost, even though I hate the movie, you could almost throw 300 in there because I thought that was pretty much that comic come to life. I just didn't care for the comic that much, but I thought they accurately got it. And number two and number one are almost a tie, but uh, number two would be Popeye. Because he's translated into <laughs> everything, pretty much. Yes. You know, down to food and cereal, clothing lines. Ever since he became public domain, he's become almost anything. You know, I'll tell you, I gained a new uh, appreciation of that movie recently. I mean, I've always really dug that movie and thought it was a lot of but fun. But you read some E.C. Sager, Popeye, right? I have been reading that stuff. Yes, I've been reading and, classic And you see Popeye how close that movie is ca- to E.C. Yes. Sager, yeah. Yes, he, it is. He, he yes. didn't go to the Popeye cartoons to get his... Just, he went to the Popeye cartoons for some stuff. But like most of the stuff in that is from the 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 cartoons mm-hmm. and the characters from the comic. Yeah, character. from the comic original. Books, yeah. yeah, the original one. Uh, Thimble Theater. And number one, and I hate to say it because he's gotten a lot of traction tonight, but uh, Superman has been what mo- movies, TV shows, radio shows, comic books, novels. You know, you name it. It, A stage play. He's just translated into... uh, He's been a a float in the Macy's Day Parade. I imagine Popeye has, too, actually. But, uh, yeah, so that's my top five. I guess a total misinterpretation of what I, like, you know, scribbled down when we were talking about it last time. Still a good list, though. So what do we want to do... uh, what do we want to do next time? Let's see. Next time, we do once again have a choice. This is a, uh, a brand new list. This one's from Rob Alloy 4. And uh, top five, he's got suggestions for us. So we've got a, so a really good list here. We've got top five fixable flaws in an animated series. Top five characters that deserve a movie and its sequel. Uh, top five characters that need a live action TV series, top five characters that deserve an animated series, top five themes you would like to see for a villain uh, slash hero a la uh, Batman dresses as a bat or the Riddler who leaves a, uh, clues in riddle form. Hmm. I'm not sure I understand. No, that I'm one. trying to wrap my brain around that one. 
Uh, top five alternate slash parallel worlds you would like to see. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Top five worst what if slash else world scenarios. Or top five best what if slash else world scenarios. So I don't know. I think I kind of favor that very last one, but uh, I'm curious what I you guys think. I don't think. know anything about a single else world. So my list would be zero. I, I like the top five alternate so that, worlds. That you can uh, you you can get by that with just looking at you know I'm sure there's some place where you could look up just the uh, what if issues in the else world series that have been right. out what else world books well, right. see, it, it'll give you what the scenario right are. but then it's well I'm wondering is he saying existing ones or we create our because yeah I, I thought, thought we took that is creating our that's own what the top five alternate world what, what was the one alternate slash parallel worlds yes yeah, see, I I think we should combine the two of them and do it as what what if scenarios do we want to see that's what I that's what I'm I, saying that that I can do yeah. that because <laughs> I can remember as a kid going to the old c- cigar shop to buy our comics two of the comics I, I I always used to like to buy of course was you know Star Wars and I liked what if if the in, if the topic interested me and I always remember thinking, man, I wish they would do a what if issue of Star Wars. And uh, that one, I think my idea of what I wanted it to be, I think will make my list. It's funny because eventually Dark Horse would yeah. do that. Uh, what do they call that? The uh, I can't remember what they called it yep. now, but it was kind of an Elseworlds. Yeah, you have to read those for. We'll do. We should do a show on those. Really yeah, good. yeah, we need to. I, I've heard that they they're are. really good, but I don't. Th- I don't think they Infinities. did the idea. Yes, yes. Infinities. That was it. Yeah, I don't think they did the idea that I had always had that I wanted to see, but uh, but yeah, there. I mean, there were some good ones. I always thought, uh, "What if Uncle Ben had lived?" was a really, really good story. But uh, I don't know what we uh, we need to hear from everybody. Is that did you guys have different ideas or Mike? I'm okay. I um, I like that. I'll okay. go with that. So top five. What if worlds that we want to yeah, see? Yeah, hey, listeners, make it easy on us. Give us one suggestion. You might think you're being <laughs> nice and generous by giving us five, but you're just creating a log jam here. It's we, we have we have no protocol to 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 determine no no voting thing, and and there's four of us, so we could end up with a deadlock or a four way tie, or there's all kinds of... Yeah, we don't have a quorum, yeah, basically. It would be hard for us to vote if we didn't just agree on something. Yeah, Luckily, forum we're all for us is guys. four of us sitting around going, um... crime. <laughs> well... I like that word. I think that brings us to... Everybody's favorite part of the show. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. 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 <laughs> All right. This time on GCTRAGDSCP, I will be reading the. Wait, is that text speak? <laughs> I'm just shortening it for... I, I'm trying to come up with a catchy acronym, okay? So it's... It's Gatragdiscup. This time on <laughs> Gatragdiscup, I will be reading the first trade of Irredeemable by Mark Wade and Peter Krause. 
This superhero comic starts out with a Batman-type guy and his family being frizzle-fried by a Superman-like guy. He leaves the little daughter alive and tells her, I'm a superhero, which means this comic definitely qualifies for this segment. Turns out he's a guy called the Plutonian, a fake Superman with a fake Justice League and everything. It turns out that the Plutonian has one bad one has gone bad and is wiping out his old teammates Watchmen style. They are trying to figure out why he went bad and how to stop him by talking to his old girlfriend and an Indian kid that sleeps in a grave. It seems maybe he's got he got pissed off when he proposed to his girlfriend as his Clark Kent alter ego and she said no that's kind of creepy and then outed him to the whole newsroom I would be pissed too but he takes out the entire city we also find out that he's a weird pervy I like to watch guy sort of like Superman and Superman Returns except with more hookers what the hell did I write here Oh, a spy, I'm like, Aspie? Who's Aspie? A spy is sent to listen into a meeting of the Plutonium's enemies led by Samuel Jackson in what is basically the Batcave. The spy hopes to get some insight into how to beat the super baddie, but he inste- instead... They find out that the Pluto plutocrat having some coffee, and he toys with the supervillains before blowing them up. Then he pays a little Zod visit to the UN, where all the countries kiss his butt. Singapore offers to let him rule them so he covers their country in crystal meteors. He is merciful because he allows his old teammate to save 10 citizens before the tsunami wipes out the whole place. What a guy. I like these comics, even though they are derivatives. They are ripoffs of the Watchmen. I definitely want to see what happens next. This is kind of a semi-thinking man's destroy, so it is perfect for me. The end. I like how I always have to tell you when the end is. <laughs> so thus ends. Get Chris to read. Oh. Here endeth the end. Here endeth the lesson. I really like this. I, I actually I have to get more issues of it because I'm sort of hanging after that fourth issue and want to see what what happens. I liked it. I thought it. I, I did definitely think it's kind of derivative of Watchmen, but at the same point, it's not like poorly written it's 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 a good read and the art's good too i um i picked up the first four issues of this shortly after they came out and i was completely blown away by the series uh, mainly because on the face of it it's mark wade asking the question what if superman went yeah. bad but when you get deeper into the series, it's a lot more complex than that. It's what if a woman that couldn't have a child looked to the heavens 
and asked for a miracle. And a miracle came, but she was crazy, like suffered from mental illness crazy, and raised this kid. Uh. Because that scene where he reveals his identity is probably the my, my favorite from the, the 10 or so issues that I read. Because... Uh, again, on the face of it, it's Mark Wade looking at Superman and Lois Lane and going, this is how it would really happen. But really, it's it's it doesn't he doesn't do it in the Watchmen way, which kind of takes away from the original. Like he's just doing it in this in, in, in a realistic way just to see how it would happen. But, you know, deep down, he loves. the. Yeah, original. It's a, it reminds me a little of the Rick Fage, Maxi Mortar, Mortal Brat Pack stuff. Mm hmm. Not as dark. Well, it is kind of dark because actually millions of people are dying in this one. But, but yes, I that that makes a lot of sense because I was thinking, you know, your girlfriend not marrying you and people being dicks about you being a superhero every once in a while isn't enough to make you like mass murder whole society. You know, Singapore <laughs> basically Singapore well, yeah, minus he's got ten. I got the feeling that at the end of four issues, you still didn't know exactly why he had gone. Yeah, he was up to something. No, you don't. And and he's up to something. He's got, he's sparing people and he's, you know, there's that one scene where, um, you know, they, they, they meet to talk to the one kid who, who's living in his grave, it seems. And then he shows up and they all scatter and he's just like, excellent. This is all working out just like I want it to. So he's, He's thinking on a, you know, on more of a level than just like, than destroy, you know. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he'd just be flying yeah, around harvesting it, people. Which, which made me want to, like you, I, I want to read more issues now because I think there's a lot more story that we don't know yet. Yeah, there's something, there's, there's maybe a little Hannibal Lectoring going on on his part where he's, he's evilly evilly masterminding something, you know, or he's come to some horrible conclusion, you know, psychopathic conclusion or something. But, uh, I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's funny because the last, the last comic I read for the show was that start that 96 page Star Trek comic, which was great, but it, it, this just highlighted the difference between comics these days and comics in those days. And, I whipped through these four issues in no time, you know, it was just bing, bang, boom. And, uh, whereas, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there, there's definitely a lot less, uh, dialogue <laughs> these days. Yeah. Makes the old, makes old Chris happy to, <laughs> makes old lazy Chris happy to read four issues of bing, bang, Gazoom. Although it's probably going to end end up being about forty issues of Bing Bang Zoom because I I, I definitely want to find out what's happening and and basically after four issues, all the characters that are in it are just all just shaded in at this part. You know, you don't really you know you're just starting to see things like I love the idea that basically it's Lex Luthor that the the one guy's got like. A whole bunch of Lex Luthor robots, and uh, so you know, you know that character is going to make a an appearance of you know the Plutonians' arch nemesis guy has got to show up at some point. 
possibly in an ironic manner, judging by the uh, direction. What 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 year did this come out? Two thousands. It was a couple of years. It's ago. only a couple of years. Two thousand nine. It's it, it's got a very post Watchmen. It's got a very like that time period in it. I but that's why it's get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic because I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> This one was a weird. Uh, this was a weird one for me because I didn't know what it was going into it. I'd heard of it, but I really didn't know what it was. And I still, right up into the, the time that I cracked the cover on issue one, I still thought it had something to do with the Kirkman thing. The what? What the hell Invincible. is the name? Invincible. Invincible. Yes, I keep confusing the two. So I didn't know what this it was. Start with I and end with B L E. So. And I, you know, so I cracked it open and I didn't get very far into issue one before I realized pretty quickly, I hate this. I really don't like this because it's yet another let's piss all over Superman and and let's, you know, let's let's tear down the whole you know, the whole superhero idea and, and expose how silly it is and that sort of thing. But then something weird happened. I kept reading the thing. And I noticed, I'm pretty sure it's in one of these four issues where there was a thing at the back where the, the different comics people were talking about writing. And Mark Wade was quoted, it was just a simple quote, something about the fact of make sure at the bottom of every page you do something that makes the reader want to turn that page. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that it's something to that effect. And so I went from hating this and thinking, why does DC let things like this get published? Now, I realize this isn't published by DC, but it's obvious that this is Superman. And back in the day, they used to vigorously defend their copyright on Superman and really go after and attack imitators. You know, anybody that even remotely, you know, looked like they might be trying to to feed off of Superman's fame and popularity, they went after him with both barrels. And so I'm always surprised by this type of thing because there's been a it's, good number of them, especially in recent it's years. It's in the ballpark of satire and, and parody, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, but still. So anyway, so I sat down to read this late at night. You know, After I'd gotten home from work, it was very late. I haven't really been sleeping well at all or very many hours at all all this week because I've been working on shows and different things. So I thought, you know, I'd blow through this as quick as I could. And you're right. This is a fast, fast read. And like I say, hating that first issue. Well, I'm currently at issue 15. <laughs> so um, obviously there's something here that keeps me turning the pages. I still am very uncomfortable with it, but I can't say I hate it. I, it's actually kept me reading to see where it goes. I ended up, despite myself and despite my initial feelings, um, I, I had to keep going. I'm just, I'm curious where it well, goes. Well, see, I think this would be great for the Superman fan because you get to see what would happen if Superman went bad without it having to be Superman. Yeah, they see, don't I have already, to take Superman and do that, you know? I, I've been right. there. And, and that's one criticism I will still keep to this is that 
what keeps me reading and, and, and help me come to terms with it is that it, ultimately it's not. At the, on the surface of the first four issues, it, 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 you know, and, and Wade even says, it, you know, this is his, you know, what if Superman went bonkers story. But ultimately it's not because pretty quickly there's some very big differences between Superman and this guy, the Plutonian. So that helps me justify it. There would and, have uh, to be and, for him to do what he's doing, you know. Oh yeah, there, there would have to be. But, I mean, on the same token... I've already read that story too. You know, the whole, what if Superman not so much went bad, but what if Superman just decided enough was enough and he got fed up with people, which was the whole, uh, Superman Rex story. And I loved that story. I thought it was great because it was Superman. Essentially. He just took over the world. Eventually. He just got sick of how things were going and he decided he was going to run it his way. I love that story and eventually hope to someday be able to, to do something, you know, discussing that. Cause I don't think that story gets its due. So anyway, long story short, this is my first time reading it. I, I started off really rough, really thinking, God, I really don't like this. And now I I'm, I'm going to end up reading the whole series. Cause I just, I got to know where it's am going too. It, Yeah. It develops. Yeah, I am. If yeah. only Scott, there was a podcast that was covering the post-crisis Superman. <laughs> God, you know that would be a if good you hear one, Let us know. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that under the to-do list, and uh, when we get to that story, I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right. You, you also, uh, Wade also has the series Incorruptible, which I believe is the other side of the coin. It's the supervillain who turns good, mm-hmm. right? And and. That may be, you know, read this one and then follow it up with reading that. I, I just might. I just might. But yeah, it, uh, but I tell you, this is one of those ones, much like uh, Watchmen, and I tell you, the, 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 off the, the very first impression I had as I started to read this is it, it began to remind me very strongly, and you guys are going to have to help my brain out here. I cannot remember the name of the series. It ended up getting made into a movie. And it was, uh, it was another one of these, you know, it was a thinly veiled, you know, one of the universes, one of the characters we know, but it was a, a, like the dark take type of thing. Um, and it was like this kid who had some sort of power where he could guide bullets or something. He was the son of like a famous wanted. wanted that was it. Oh, did I? Oh, I didn't that? like that. I I like hated that, that <laughs> except for Angelina. I didn't like the movie. Yeah, I didn't like the comic. <laughs> yeah, but just read the book. No. Yeah. See the the. I, I've never seen the movie, but the book I thought was just a disgrace. Who wrote that thing? Because the very that was the Mark one with Mark Miller. That's right. Because the very last page in that book is the main character. After this, what I thought was just an excruciating read, the last page in that is him looking right at you, the listener, or excuse me, the reader rather, and telling you "f you." And I thought, well, thanks for just spelling it out because that's pretty much how I was feeling reading this thing. Anyway, I thought that book was just garbage. I, I really was just so disgusted with that because it, it basically was this type of concept, but not done it near as skillfully, not near as masterfully, no respect for the medium or the superhero at all. It really was what 
so many people accuse Alan Moore's Watchmen of being, which was just a tear it all down story. And oh, did I hate that thing? I thought that book was just awful. Have you guys read that one? Yeah, I no, I kind of refuse to basically because a friend of mine told me about that last page, and I didn't really need to uh, to see that. Right. Did you did you read Legion of Five Worlds or Three Worlds or whatever the hell it was that the one where at the oh, end Superboy? Yeah, you mean you mean the one where when it came out in the comic shop, I went on like a five hour tear. All right. Well, about the how reaction, pissed off I was. Yeah, that reaction you had to that was the reaction I had to that other. I mean, I had that same reaction to that book too. But yeah, that's how I felt reading that book. Was like. Why would you why would you want to publish something like that? Why would you want your followers, your readers to get to the end of a book and you've just flipped them off? Why why would you ever want to do something? I can't imagine being that I, I don't even know what the word would be. You know, I don't know if it's e- egotism. Yeah, or... I know it's like some podcast doing a whole podcast or reading the phone book or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> or taking a dump and and recording it. <laughs> I think that's a far cry from us ever recording a show where, at the end of it, in all sincerity, that we told them to go f themselves. You come on. You know, we we may we may like to tease them and play with them and do goofy things like reading the phone book, but I would never put something like that out there and really mean it. You right. know, really genuinely, seriously mean it. Screw you! I just took your money, and that's what that book was. That book was totally let me draw a bunch of pretty pictures and 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 get all. For some reason, that book got hyped to high heaven. It made bucks. I mean, it made it was big enough that it got a big budget movie. But I swear to God, that's the last page in that book is screw you. You know, you're an idiot for having bought, paid for, read and loved this. Well, stupid. I know thing. a lot of the comic fans were really pissed off about the movie and said it was nothing like the comics. I don't know. I'm a fan of the filmmaker who made the movie. So I was a, uh, I can't remember his name. He's a Russian guy. He did the Day Watch and the Night Watch movies. Or one was called Day Watch, one was called Night Watch. And I think Night Watch came first. And they were vampire movies. It was sort of as if somebody, it was sort of like somebody smart made the Matrix with vampires. <laughs> it was it was a fun, really fun. Movie. Give, give me give me a, a little leeway here, but the name is Timur Bekmambetov. Oh yeah, him. <laughs> that's that's the director. I don't know him. Yeah, at he all. he made the. I mean, those two movies, I guess, were humongous hits in Russia, and they were huge budget special effects movies they're a lot of fun there that creates this whole world of you know a vampire you know a whole vampire society sort of deal and um and people that defy the laws of physics and and such and and wanted was sort of a uh uh you know just sort of an extension of that it was sort of like they gave him slightly less money to make his american version of that with wanted and uh he is apparently a producer on Abraham Lincoln Vampire uh-huh. Hunter. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly, mm. yes. So that's got to bring him mm. up a level. 
that's why I was looking forward to that movie because because of the Night Watch, the Day Watch, and uh, Wanted. Wanted does have a scene of watch. Angelina Jolie getting out of some water buck naked that is one of the most unintentionally un- unappeal. You should be really happy to see a buck naked Angela Jolie, but she does not look well. No, she's all fake she's, She looks so really, really, shit. like, painfully skinny and bony. It's really, it's awkward. Awkward. Much better, hack- better hackers off, uh... was better. Which one? Hackers. Oh, yeah, her early so days when she one? had some meat on her bones. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mike, did movie, you know that uh, Gia? Yes, Gia well, that had the lesbian scenes in it. Just and, Gia. And how wrong could that Not be? wrong at all. And every female listener just switched off their iPhone. Oh, both of them. <laughs> female <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, this has nothing to do with anything. I just thought of it. Mike, did you know that uh, that Anne Archer got naked in one of her movies? No. But I'm that, sure I can find that on Google Images. I, Mike oh, is yes, going to be up a little later tonight than he planned on. <laughs> Mike's going to have an Ann Archer wow. before the end of the night. <laughs> I was uh, I was just watching a movie with her in it in preparation for a show you and I are going to do uh, pretty soon. And uh, I got to thinking, hmm, I doubt it, but I wonder if she ever got naked in anything. And sure enough. They sure all enough. do eventually. I'm finding that's, that's actually largely uh-huh. true. Well, there was that guy who printed the whole... It was back in the VHS days. You could buy his... It was like a thousand-page book. It looked like the Roger Ebert Oh, movie that's guide. right. And it would tell you right down to the second and what you could expect to see in every skin. movie. Yep. That's the, he was on Howard Stern a lot. Mr. Skin. <laughs> that's right. That was, yep. Howard Stern had a lot of misters on there. He had, like, Mr. Methane. Remember that guy who could fart on... Fart songs and everything? Vaguely, I, I might have blocked yeah, it. <laughs> Wasn't that book called something like the the Skin Guide to Movies or something that, like that? Yeah. I think it was Mister Skin's Guide to Movies. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, God, I forgot all about that. You're right. Because <laughs> I think I think Chris and I rented a whole lot of movies specifically because of that that book. Well, back we in those days, without stuff. the internet, remember they had they even had a porno mag. And the first I ever heard of it was from Mike, our friend Mike Cross had a few copies of Celebrity Skin was the name of it. And it was a porno mag that just had yeah. frames from movies yep. where actresses had been naked. You yep. really think female listeners wouldn't be into uh, That's what I'm saying. I don't think female listeners would turn off at the, at the fact of at the, at the thought of uh, Angelina, Gina, Angelina Jolie... Um, building the beast with two backs with some other some other female specimen. I think some of there them might go. even enjoy the idea of that. And if they do, they can feel free to contact me and tell me all about it. <laughs> now they're tuning out. <laughs> See, Angelita Jolie's not going to creep them out. It's going to be one of us. Come on. 
She creeps me yeah, out. I, I still don't see why everybody thinks she's hot shit because I don't see it myself. Yeah, yeah. It's the the, the thing that we're... I, I like myself a quirky girl, but like the whole like Billy Bob Thornton... But not around bad that, shit crazy Yeah, quirky. not make out with your brother quirky sort of weirdness. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, that's sort of... <laughs> <laughs> that sort of took the piss out of the whole conversation. Oh my. Are we gonna leave this are we gonna leave this with uh with uh Angelina Jolie making out with her brother? I guess we gotta we gotta determine what my next assignment is for to what the next I had one that I wanted to give you for this, but uh unfortunately I can't seem to uh find a copy to share with you, so it's not gonna work. But I really wanted you to read the life of John Paul Sec John Paul the Second. Oh, but, uh, oh I, I, I don't have my copy, copy of it so. anymore or else really the see if we can find a CBR of it. That's what I'm saying. I couldn't find oh. one now, but Maybe maybe one of the listeners will be able to give us the hookup on that, but that was just one of the you know one of my wacky right. Cars come to Are think we of it, considering that, that him a superhero. Exactly. <laughs> Although I have said many times that I'd like him to be in one of the uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance you know, games, he's, but he's, still, he's, he's pushing it. You know, the Pope Mobile sort of, but then again, there was a Batmobile too, so. Well, he you know, he had the Pope Mobile. Why was there never a Pope John Paul versus the Punisher comic? Because he's really good at dodging a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Not that good. <laughs> he didn't dodge all of them. <laughs> he's just good at surviving them. I don't know. I say you know, I don't know whose turn it is anyway. But I was going to say, haven't you got? You still have a good number of uh, listener suggestions, right? Yeah, but I don't know what they are at the at, uh, <laughs> at, at this moment. Um, well, I know I want. I'm I'm dying to read. I tell you what, I got an idea. Unless unless Paul or Mike has an idea, I think I have an idea. I'm going to send you. Uh, well, you know what? I don't know. I was going to say I'll send you one of those uh, Seeker Popeyes I was just talking about. But then again, the ones I've been reading are the old, old, old stuff. So it's Thimble Theater. It's like one page. It's like reading like peanut strips in the Sunday paper. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's like one one page is basically one story or one gag. You know what I mean? They're not really interconnected as far as like a continuing narrative. So I don't know how that would really work as far as giving any sort of review or whatever but i'm t- i'm i'm digging that i'm always stuff. up for a challenge so you know don't let that stop you yeah. well we'll think of something i off the top of my head though i'm for one thing it's so late oh, it can and be i'm a so surprised t- for Actually, for all the listeners i don't care if they know ahead of time haha <laughs> you listeners haha <laughs> <laughs> That's and there's mind. the end right there. <laughs> 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 
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener, it's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks.
Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.